0: Huge space! look how fast he's going. Polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lord's Rain so close. Getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Oh, of Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. Hello and how's it? Welcome back. This is Moving the Needle podcast and I'll be your host, Andrew Needling. If you're new to the show, welcome. Thanks for downloading this episode. Make sure you go back in the archives and check some of the other guests that have been on. I appreciate all the direct messages I've been getting, all the reviews. Hey, if you're getting some value, entertainment, please share the show with a friend. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Leave me a review, it really goes a long way and it helps a lot. Guys, little disclaimer going into this week's episode it is with none other than Ollie Wilkins, a great friend of mine. He's from Surrey Hills in the UK I spent a lot of time there when I was racing great friends with Ben and Faircloth now he's an incredible rider in his own right he has so many dirt covers comes from a dirt jump background was a competitive dirt jumper moved into the industry he's been working with DMR bikes as well but he is a full-time professional mountain biker so we get into all that he's uh, not one for racing but I do think he's got incredible work ethic he's super creative And he's also a co-host on another podcast where we get into. So a little disclaimer though, we use some uh, entertaining language. You know, we kind of, uh, it was just like you're going to join us for a conversation like we would have had in the pub. We go off on some incredibly funny tangents, some interesting tangents. We give each other shit. We give people shit in the industry. But I do think there's a lot of value that you can gain from a guy like Ollie Wilkins. Always super positive. Loves having a good time on the bike, and I think he inspires a lot of people to get out there and ride. So, guys, without further ado, enjoy this week's episode. Fucking now, is this it? Are we? Are we? Am I on your podcast, Ollie? Am I on your podcast because you're more of a host than I am?
1: Dude, you've been on my podcast, and I've been waiting for the invite. Honestly, okay, but then I've just been thinking: Should I screen? What have I done wrong? Have I upset you?
0: Should I screenshot? Uh, the text chain that I have with you trying to book, <laughs> <laughs> book Actually, such true. a famous mountain biker that is <laughs> and, you,
1: and you traveled across the uh, across the world with your podcast equipment and we still didn't make it happen
0: yeah we hung that's... out in
1: Maribor you had a, a backpack full of sh- do you swear on your podcast
0: yeah we do whatever we want don't we do you swear on your podcast fuck
1: yes <laughs> fucking right I do I've not learned enough words to sort of really replace the swear words. Yeah.
0: But you're quite a creative. Would you not say you're that creative with your vocabulary or what?
1: I I, I wish I was more. I wish I was more. Gone are, the, gone are the print days when you used to... If you if you have to write articles, hey, you've written articles before, yeah?
0: It's funny you ask. I just submitted my second article. and um... There we go. I was a little bit, uh, it was uh, on, I called it the full circle of downhill, how it's come full circle. Uh, It's not as deep as that. What's it going to be released? It'll be um, on the DH yearbook, you know, that James McKnight does.
1: Sick. I actually got an email from him the other day. I should have got back to him.
0: So um, I won't lie. I'm a little bit more comfortable talking and verbalizing things as you may know i'm not scared of a conversation here or there cue the podcast however yeah i um, i luckily i think he was happy to help me uh fix the grammar and uh just tidy it up a little bit you know i think it's a uh, quite quite an art the old words
1: yeah i see you as a real perfectionist as well so i can imagine you really like Really going over and over what you've written, worrying about it.
0: Yeah, shitting myself that I have said the correct thing. You're probably the opposite of that, aren't you? Like, you don't really overthink things. you more No,
1: of, I definitely you... don't. Yeah, yeah. More freestyle for sure. But like, I, uh, me and Rue were talking about the other day, like the first article, because Rue's uh, Rue Fowler, a photographer that I've sort of spent my entire life taking pictures with we we're talking about our first magazine article and it will have been i'd love to go back and read it because it will have been so so shit it will have been like we woke up on this or you know what i mean when you're a kid
0: writing stuff i put three spoons of sugar into my tea yeah exactly yeah and then you i fr- got yeah, my bike yeah, out of and... shit and then i went <laughs> yeah, you... to the trails
1: <laughs> absolutely no finesse just like after we loaded the bikes we headed off <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but yeah i look forward to reading your article that'd be good i'm a big fan of those guys work and uh... it
0: was kind of a, a bunch of contradictions because i said you know the more things change the more they say they stay the same was one of the quotes as a counter yeah. to the only constant in life is change and i think with downhill, the only dude. constant is change. And then, right at the end, I brought it back and I said, "Well, one thing has been constant." Cue the drum roll, Greg Minard, <laughs> because he's Nixon. still okay. there. <laughs> it's, it's true,
1: isn't it? Yeah, dude, it's true. Every time you talk about like um, the young guys coming up, and uh, yeah, look at look at this top ten. It's like different to anything you've seen. There's there's always that one elephant in the room, isn't there? You know, you think about like, oh, the tracks have changed. They're so much quicker and people are riding crazy lines right on the edge. And then you're like, and Greg's still there doing the same thing, making it look easy.
0: Yeah. And like bikes have (laughs) changed and, you know, the flat pedal riders aren't really there. And Sam Hill's moved on and the Rennie, the rawness, the professionalism's more and the teams are back to the heyday. Oh, Steve Pete's moved on. I mean, he's a dinosaur, but Greg's like not far behind. (laughs) (laughs) He's not, and I dude. Was like, how? And I was like, "How's that dinosaur maybe, surviving?" <laughs> how can I challenge myself? Maybe <laughs> racing a World Cup at forty, you know, go back after five years and say, "Fuck, how hard can it be?" Forty. And I'm like, "Greg Minard just won Worlds at 39 and 11 months. Like, that's not a story. I can't. It's not a challenge. He's just like, here's the challenge. I take the challenge, and I win everything." Yeah,
1: yeah. it's just a sentence. <laughs> it, it's just a sentence that summarises it. You're like, eh. What so, do you say about it? Like, what do you, do you think you qualify now?
0: What me? I know you you're
1: you're a humble guy. You're going to say no, but I wonder whether you could qualify now.
0: Well, I mean, I do play with the question, but I don't like what for. Could I qualify? Um...
1: No, I know what. Just as in, yeah, just if you went back right now on your downhill bike and you kind of, all right, maybe not. I'm not going to give you a year to train. Yeah, I was going to say. You're a bitty and you'll train really, really hard. The question
0: is how much preparation? So zero off the couch.
1: Zero, yeah. And let's pick a track. Let's pick a track. So let's pick, okay, a track that I know we were both at, so it makes it more fun to talk about. Maribor. Well. We put needles in the start hut on day one of practice. You're allowed to have some practice time on your downhill bike at home.
0: Well, I like how um, number one we have an intro to the podcast, so that's great. This is what this episode's going to be about. And number two, you've taken over the hosting duties because you're a co-host. You're already <laughs> flipping you... it on me. I see what you're doing. Do you... there. No.
1: <laughs> Do you think this is going to be your worst episode ever? No, I mean it's it is, isn't. It.
0: The... I think it's going to be the most fun. It's all. They're
1: normally so good and so planned. Now this one's just. On its ass well, already. I
0: was going to say before we started recording, but then I knew, do not miss any of the banter. So if I look at my phone, it's because I'm looking at notes that I made in preparation for this. These notes were made on the 24th of August, and I've been do trying to get Ollie on the podcast since then. So here we are. Who, We've done it. Yeah.
1: We're on. I quite like not having notes. I've got my book here next to me. This is all my notes. Um... Next to me, and I, I actually—I
0: don't always use the notes, but I think there's a few things that I hate to miss. You know, like a few yeah. key things. I want to, you know. I know you it.
1: think I'm just chaotic and idiotic, but I do. There's there's method to the man in myth. some of it. I'm not going to say all of it, but there's method in some of it. I yeah. do try. Yeah, I try a bit, you know, dude. Come on, give me something, dude. You're
0: not a professional mountain bike without trying. That whole like, oh, I don't try. That's like a Brendan Feeklaw thing. Well, I won't try because then people think I didn't try, <laughs> yeah. and I'm so freaking good because I didn't try, dude. The guy rides his bike all the time. He's fucking trying to be good or stylish. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm
1: glad you say that because you like um, people always talk about that natural talent, and that when 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 people, I'd say 80 percent of the time that people say natural talent. It's almost people are saying it in a negative way. It's almost saying in the like he's been given this on a plate. So if you talk about like a modern, who'd be a mod Cade for instance, yeah, nah, Cade rides more than anyone, (laughs) you know.
0: I did. I did want to ask you. That's one of the notes. Like, do you believe in natural talent? You know, versus you know, like the nature versus nurture. It comes up a lot. I mean, it is a sports podcast. We love it. We rode bikes. So I agree. The natural talent, like Gwyn was talking about, oh, he's, he's naturally gifted to downhill. And everyone's like, you came out of nowhere And he's like, well, it was basically life's work in BMX, then motocross, that has helped him be like in the lucky position that it can work for downhill. But it's all the work and preparation he did in other sports and racing. So yeah, he's now Gwyn naturally talented at downhill. Well, no, it comes you know from... The motocross background and his drive, his work, his BMX, like all those things came together and made this crazy success story. So Yeah, what, totally. Okay, so behind you is uh uh well a jersey, basketball jersey twenty-three. We know that's your favorite yeah. number. You love Jordan. Speaking of that, hold two yeah. sets. What's he doing? Okay, Where's so I don't always go YouTube with us, but look at that. That's one of my books. I like, I enjoy there reading. There you go. So I'm showing Ollie Wilkins and Michael Jordan. It's not really a document, It's not really a biography, um, but it's a pretty good book on the history of Jordan, his business, and coming to deal with Nike and all those deals. Right. Highest
1: paid sportsman of all time. I think they announced the other day. Well, you heard when they it. You heard it here. In first. Inflation. I, I believe. Yeah, I believe he he earned uh, he's earned to this day two point something billion. Um, he wasn't the highest paid for playing, but in terms of all of his endorsements Afterwards. and stuff, he was the highest paid. Yeah, yeah. Mate, yeah,
0: I know you respect him, and that, and we've spoken a bit about his Netflix documentary. But what's put it over the top for me? He designed and built his own golf course called like the Grove. I want to say. And
1: Needle's ears went up. I'm
0: like, oh, huh? like, then you've made it. You just make your own golf course. So, obviously, it yeah. comes in, he loves golf and like gambling and stuff. So, he has gambling games, yeah. a lot of the pros. And he designed it in golf. You get the handicap system. It's basically like getting, get, being given a head start, right? If you were racing yeah. someone of wor- or less experience, shall we call not less natural. Yeah, yeah, talent. Yeah. less experience. So he's made it that the holes near the end are the ones, it's called getting strokes, like where he gets help, but he makes them near the end. So like in the gambling game, you often w- need help near the end to win the cash. Yeah. So he's still so competitive. He designed it that he gets like the strokes near the end. And then they have drones that come and bring you beers or food. Like it's, he's so over the top. And I was like, that's my man. That's the man.
1: Do you know what no one ever talks about with Jordan? Because if you put just, like, stats on a sheet, it's like LeBron's an incredible player. But it's the steez, man. It's the steez. He's, like, if you watch him still play to this day, people want to play like MJ.
0: Does he still... Like, his
1: style is just so, but he doesn't go so play,
0: rad. like, celeb game. like Like, does Does he even go shoot hoops anymore? Do
1: you know, it's interesting, isn't it? I don't know. That's It's a funny one, when, when athletes get to the end of the career and, like they've had a a really long career of doing one thing at the highest level. I feel like it's easy for the love to go.
0: Well, I don't know. Like when, when you you finish your
1: downhill career, you still ride though, don't you?
0: I I do, but I must say, I'm not eager now five years out. Like I understand that he might not want to go shoot Flat out
1: downhill runs.
0: No, not at all. Like, it's, it's about the enjoyment and it's something that I probably burnt myself out a bit. Yeah. And it, and it brings stress. It brings, you know, to prepare and race a downhill bike properly and not get hurt and to do well, you know, and to protect your ego, well, I'm not going to do well. Like, it's not that fulfilling anymore because I don't need to do yeah. it. So I don't have a goal to perform at an X level. So because I don't have that goal, I don't want to go through the shit. But when you have that goal and the belief that that's what you want to do, like everything in between is not work, it's not hard, it's just part of the, the day-to-day. So for yeah. him, I don't know. I mean, he was just so driven to win and he excelled at basketball at a young age and it became a passion. And then he just was happy to go through all those stories in the, in the documentary where he said he would do a movie, which would help him long-term, probably financially. But to do that, he insisted he needed that court to train. I mean, is that for enjoyment or is it because he knew he had to train hard while he's shooting the movie to be able to win the championship? You know, like he had to Yeah.
1: So have to stay so sharp, don't you? Like I think it is the same as riding in that way. It's just less structured riding. It's not like you know, like when a when a basketball player's training, they're not just like doing scrimmages so they're not playing games necessarily the whole time they'll be just like repeating a move repeating a move Mm. repeating a move so it's kind of the same as like yeah i guess dirt jumps would be the closest thing if you've got three dirt jumps you just repeat it over and over again and then you've you know what what I mean? Rather than going on like a massive ride, that's bike time, but it's not like structured like basketball would be, I think.
0: Yeah, so there's a thing called block training, which is to do one activity over and over. That would be like doing the cutties that the Aussies were doing when they came onto the scene. Yeah. They were doing just having fun, but what they were actually doing is like perfecting their corner technique and their balance, and they were just doing one turn after the other till it formed a rut called cutties. Yeah. And look at the Aussies, look how well they turned. I mean, Nathan Rennie, yeah. I would go visit him in he was out Temecula's side, maybe at Cessler's pace. And There were some jumps in that back garden which we'd jump, but then I went and looked down the side and there was this figure of eight track and he would just ride, figure of eight turns, you know? And it's like, oh, he's naturally talented. He's just this beast from Australia. Well, there's the counter, but he would go and make himself super bored and just do turns off the turns off the turns the block practice like someone shooting free throws
1: yeah 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 it is interesting going back to your natural talent thing yeah on on that natural talent thing the way i see it right i think of a brain as a sponge okay so let's say before you start riding it's just a, a sponge with no liquid in it right it's just a dry sponge and everyone's brain is completely different so it's it It takes on the water, which would be the information. I feel like it takes it on at different rates. So, um, you know, for instance, your sponge takes on how to make a series of turns and undulations. It comes naturally to you to find the fastest route through it. Or more more liquid will come into your sponge than will come into mine, because I'll be fucking around trying to jump off shit like my sponge isn't. My sponge isn't like. It's got a few holes in it. In terms of speed. <laughs> yeah, it's got a few holes in it. It's like a. Yeah, it's but... like
0: a, one of those cheese, those cheese blocks with a few holes <laughs> yeah, in it's it.
1: It's like Swiss cheese. Swiss cheese.
0: <laughs> I get the analogy, yeah. I get the. But my
1: sponge yeah. might be better in another direction, you know? So, like, when it comes to, like, a. Well, I'm trying to think of something. I'm. I'm uh, so, like, a dirt jump. Maybe I, I don't know. You pull up real hard on a dirt jump. But I pull up. Re- I can pull up really hard on a dirt jump.
0: Yeah, but you're very creative. So maybe line choice, you might excel better than someone. Your sponge yeah,
1: but they're always better. based towards fun.
0: What your <laughs> and that's what I reckon. My keys. sponge
1: is fucking good at. Your yeah, brain my sponge. sponge. Yeah, that my brain sponge takes on like the funnest stuff on a bike. Well, whereas whereas someone who's faster will take on. You know, it's just like. It's just a sliding scale, I feel like. Like, there's different people. You can see what they're good at.
0: Your character, your temperament. Like, you know, like you say, I'm analytical. So racing, yeah. racing makes sense and breaking yeah. it down. And yours is... You say fun, though. At what point is jumping horrendous gap jump down in Mexico when you build these street races <sighs> for the first time? You're like, no, I get a kick out of testing. I'm like... Hmm. I don't get it.
1: But you would, you would do that stuff, wouldn't you? Yeah. I'll or you're not, you follow, your no, calculated, no, I, eh? No, I'm
0: calculated risk, but I totally, when I was younger, then it, you, the adrenaline and that feeling you get of doing something for the first time, it's pretty intoxicating. Yeah. But then eventually, your consciously or subconscious don't want to hit the ground anymore. And like I say, so hitting the ground is a guaranteed byproduct of racing a bike down the hill fast. You ju- it's not yeah. it's not if but when and how hard, right? And then when I step away, I'm like, okay, I don't have to podium or be at whatever result to keep my ride and I'm not going to race. Cool. Well, then I don't want to go through that one part. The training I could probably yeah. like put up with, it's good for me physically. But then I was like, hang on. Yeah, it's good ground. I only feel yeah. like hitting the ground unnecessarily often, you know? I just don't feel like going through <laughs> yeah. that suck. But you like but I get value and fun out of doing the jump and I value the fun and the adrenaline. I, I value that so much that you probably block and don't think about the crash because you've had some injuries. I mean, shucks, dude, your, yeah. your ankles and feet. I mean, I do hear
1: you, but th- yeah, it's a, it, it's a funny one, isn't it? I, um, I don't think it's like a blocking out. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's like a blocking out, but I I think you'd do the same thing. I think you'd jump the jump. I don't think it's like anything particularly crazy. I think what I've always been real careful about and what I've always hated is like the thought of like crashing because you're doing something that someone's told you to do or that you don't really want to do. That's always my like inner struggle with like filming or with racing or with any of those things. If someone's like, if I crash after a race and hurt myself and I'm like in a cast for six weeks, I'd be really like, I didn't even want to win the race that much. I don't even care about the race that much. Obviously you get like some clarity through hindsight, don't you? But I think that's why I've tried to not have stuff I have to do.
0: And where did, where do you feel that pressure? So not pure pressure, ego stuff where like subconsciously no. you want to do it. Like when I follow my head trying to keep up with you and Brendan and Brendan's garden, Right. So Brendan's spoken about it, but you guys were very good at 360s and I could backflip. So then we got bored and you guys decided, well, how close can we start to the jump with minimal speed and still get the trick jump? So, you know, we kept pushing each other and then the competitive male ego gets involved and then I come and I have a look and I'm like probably can still flip that I won't tell them and maybe I did once and then I feel good about myself yeah I showed those guys and then you guys went a bit close and I was like obviously I can still do this I won't tell them what I'm gonna try and I misjudged and landed on my head and it could have been very very ugly so that yeah. was an internal pure pressure that I felt.
1: I love the analysis, dude. It's so
0: good. <laughs> yeah, you're like, are you really thinking all that shit before? No, I'm, this is in hindsight. Yeah. At the time, there right, was no yes. thought. At the time, it was like, yeah. I'm going to fucking show Ollie and Brendan yeah, yeah. that this racer can still do this shit. And uh, <laughs> be careful what you do to impress the ego. <laughs> but yeah. you were saying like what pressure like if the boys say hey we're going to do a race come with us come with us and you just want to probably hang out with them but they happen to be doing a race
1: yeah i think i've just been careful to not to ruin how fun it is the light-hearted fun of bike riding because that's as you know i know racing's rad i want it to go on i'm a big fan of the sport i want to watch all this stuff and follow it but it's not uh in terms of what purely what biking is to me racing is not that if you saw what I mean like that's not the purest form of riding I don't if I go out riding with a load of people it's not just I'm trying to go as quick as physically possible the whole time that would be really weird that would be akin to rushing everywhere (laughs) it'd be like it'd be like instead of perusing around a store with all nice bits and bobs in the store it'd be like fucking bombing around with a shopping trolley just shoving stuff in I want to I want to take a coffee I want to chill I want to enjoy certain bits. I know the fastest lines on the outside, dipping in, missing out on the with with biggest exit speed. But then equally, it's quite fun to jump the thing on the inside and then like whack the turn or
0: yeah. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Well, absolutely. And like, when did this start? Is this when you did enter race as a kid? You smoked Brendan Faircloth, which I do want to dig into. You know, we can't just be. (laughs) <laughs> all have fun and games you're like you smoke Brendan Faircloth as a youngster out there on the Smoked, downhill circuit dude. in England Smoked. are you then just so content with life that you can then pursue the fun side of riding like mm, at what point so did you realise well, racing is not for me it's not what my character enjoys
1: I I, I was 16 I was riding for a, a company r- racing 4cross and then I was also they didn't have like a dirt jump bike so I was doing dirt jump um, contests. They were always alongside the four cross races. So I. it was like a perfect comparison at the time for a young version of me to go, right, well, I'm doing these two things. Which one out of the two things is my favorite? So the four cross racing was just, it's like obviously so high stress. You know, you know what four cross is like. It's like pretty full on isn't it it's like a minute of bar to bar racing and there's all beef and it's quite hard work and then there's the dirt jump contest that was like at the time to be honest with you we were like we just had a scene that allowed us to learn stuff and so we were doing tricks that were kind of up there you know me mike smith um all the other guys that you you know super well we were we were actually like fairly competitive in dirt jump without trying and with it being super fun. So back then the comparison was so simple. It was like racing really stressful. You're rushing down this track, dirt jump, you turn up and you do stuff that you do like day in, day out fiddling around and everyone cheers (laughs) and the prizes are better. You could win a PlayStation. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the direct comparison. It's not that I, I loved racing for years and years and it's not that I, I just like, like nowadays, honestly, I wake up and I'm like, okay, you could get in a car and drive for miles, you know, racing for me, what it would be. And you don't even get to ride that much, or you can go for a cross country ride in the morning, maybe go for two cross country rides or enduro rides or whatever you want to call them, downhill runs. And then you could ride trails in the afternoon. And then you could go for an e-bike ride in the evening like that to me is like the, that's like the best day mountain biking whereas a race is just like i don't have to do it so why
0: why fucking would i it's not i don't know i don't really think about why other than that really i can relate so um john t did a downhill race like i don't know by the time i released this few weeks back and luckily i had something on the saturday so i couldn't go do practice and I was like, cool, that's my excuse. So I don't have to like tell them why I really don't want to race. Exactly. you're making excuses, yeah. <laughs> so but I did want to support the local scene and I said, okay, I'll come on Sunday. Yeah. Like, and he was like, no, 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 well, it's you know, it's a chance for us to ride and hang out. And I was like, yeah, oh, I get that. But I can't do the fun stuff, which would be the shuttling and practice the day before. Because then when it gets to Sunday, even if you say you're there for fun, like there's a clock and then, you know, you're going to get a bit anxious. And I was like, hang on. I've withdrawn myself from that situation. So it took quite a while to realize that, yeah, I don't want to go through that suck of racing because I don't have the goal, you know? And for yeah. John T, it was he hasn't done it for a long time. And, you know, he, he, you know he's a family man now and runs the shop. So it's almost an escape for him to go do the race and focus on that. And, uh, yeah, I totally hear you. It's, it's really not for everyone. It It, it brings on anxiety, pressure, stress um yeah and, it, and it's interesting to hear like you obviously figured it out early on it's it's not for you um and, it's and like you're, i was you're like finding
1: anxiety like... you're mixing anxiety fear and stress with your favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. so it's like like that to me is like yeah i don't know i'm trying to think of a good analogy Even at
0: the highest level um danny hart will agree with me it, the morning of the race sucks. The morning of a World Cup, can't eat, so it's you're just so looking ahead and you're trying to stay in the present. And like, yeah, you started riding these bikes for fun, but I mean, fun is getting down the hill and this big relief. It's just the highs and lows. Like, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. I loved it, but now I can reflect back and go, yeah, morning of the race is tough. You really have to have your wits about you and stay in the present and, and, and trust that you've done everything well and you've done the preparation, your training. And the rest is technically up to chance, but that's so much easier said than done.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's weird being around you boys like obviously I've been around you lot um at I've been lucky enough to go to a load of World Cups. <clears throat> well, I say lucky, I just slept on the floor and piss in a car park, but <laughs> I've I've gone to enough World Cups over the years to see all of you boys uh, work your way through an entire race weekend, you know, whether it's like track walk, um, practice, qualies and finals and just seeing my mates. Like (laughs) it's not exactly like I've got like a great example of why I should get back into racing. It's stressful, man. It doesn't
0: look fun. Take us through that. What, like, what do you notice changes as the week goes on?
1: Well, for every, everyone, I feel like it's different. Uh, i can see everyone's approach completely so just if you talk about you and brendan for instance i feel like you're you are very like flat and or or it's like a flat graph it builds up whereas brendan's can be all over the place like you know when brendan's going to do well at a world cup you've known from the first section of uh, session in practice right you feel like you know yeah I do anyway, from the outside, I feel like I know because he's he's enjoying himself. He's doing like, maybe he's got a couple of gaps on the track that everyone's talking about. There's like hoo-ha about, oh, did you see Bren do this on this? Or did you see the gap on the blah, blah, blah? That you can see, that like levels him off and makes him happier. That that increases his trajectory. Whereas if you can see the doubt slip in, if, there's, if he's not feeling like he's the man and that he's got all of this stuff up his sleeve I feel like then you can see the doubt come in and then you can see it's it's actually an unpleasant experience you know he's going through all of the things that he's done since he's 16 I guess or even even before for both of you actually but yeah you can see that it kind of drags out and it's kind it's like self-fulfilling I feel like so when it starts to be not good it just becomes a pain. Nerves get even more. It just, I don't know. Would no, you agree? No,
0: it makes sense. I mean, a happy rider is a fast rider and and everyone's yeah. different. So but Brendan needs that and and I need something else. And it must be hard for him, I would say now, you know, with all that natural talent in inverted commas, but all the bike time and the skill that he has, knowing that he 100% factually is more skilled than a lot of riders, but the sport's different now. It's more professional. People are yeah. training. So fitness, bike setup, all these things give you a little advantage. So you can't just rely on on one side of the sport. So it must be hard for him from back in the day, podium as a junior. And now you can see he wants to do everything. He's that, his character is like that. He wants to do a yeah. rampage. But that technically cuts into preparation for a World Cup. Like To be yeah. the best at anything in the world, you have to focus. So, you know, he's maybe the best all-rounder now that he can go to Darkfest, he can go to Rampage, he can still, you know, qualify to World Cup. But he's not just going to rock up and get a podium like he did when he was a junior. Like, the sport's just totally different and elevated. And I can yeah. see he's, like, fighting this battle when I say it. But, Brendan, it's okay. Still loves racing. Yeah, man. he does actually love racing. But who loves racing if you're going to get fucking 50th when you used to get a podium? You're lying to yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, Shane, well, Brendan, if you really want to do it, then unfortunately you have to sacrifice certain things. And I think you could do everything with a plan, but that's not his character. So then like people have said, like why box Brendan in? Then he's just not going to be himself. And if you're not yourself, you're not going to be the rider that you are. So it's a super, super tough one, I think for him. But yeah, it is a fascinating place. I enjoy being on the sidelines of the World Cups now. Like I've made a lot of peace. I've made a lot of peace with that. And then you can watch in, like you say, and you can spot, you're like, I think that rider is going to do well today think that rider's yeah. going to do well this week he seems pretty confident in his own self-belief of how he's riding you know he's not so brendan asking me about a bunch of lines is different to brendan like you say having a good time trusting himself so yeah you know, exactly yeah you know and you don't have a result or two you start doubting instead of what got you to the top believe in yourself riding that track your way
1: yeah completely completely i think um the thing that Bren's always said is one of the worst things. I don't know if you feel the same, but you put together a run that's in your opinion, you know, you've just spent the last three minutes, like hitting every line hitting every section thinking, fuck yeah, i got like two cranks in between those two turns. I hit my line through rock garden. I got a good sprint in. You're just thinking everything's perfect. And then crossing the line, it's red and you're 10 seconds off the pace or whatever. For example, like he says, that feeling of like that's a bad feeling.
0: Well, there's no explanation, there's no reason you can't say, Well, if I did that, that, and that, I probably got seven yeah. seconds. Like, it's it's demoralizing, that's where Bernie's good. It's really demoralizing, Bernie will find it, but at the same time, yeah, it's your expectations are not matching where you are in the sport at the moment. Like, does disappointment yeah. not come from a higher expectation than? you were maybe capable on that track or with the preparation or with the depth of field these days. Yeah. No, it does suck. I mean, that's the worst thing when, you know, you just, you got to, you have only yourself to blame.
1: Yeah. And Brent, brens Brent's personality as well will be like, he'll, he'll just be sad about, about that or, you know, bummed or confused or whatever. And then like, um, Bernard is a good example of someone who can like he can it's not make it up you know I, th- I think he'd I think he'd probably agree with me when I say it but he'll find things and it it like almost protects your ego he'll say yeah I, I knew that I hadn't quite hit the top bit you know that I didn't have good energy on the straight or like he'll always find something I stalled a bit in this turn that was worth two seconds I I did this he'll be able to add it up and then still in his mind he'll be like I should, I can win this race. He's rationalizing
0: himself to keep that confidence and belief. Yeah, I think sport... You hear
1: people do it all the time, don't you? You hear people, they they bought a new car and they're like, yeah, but you know, I sold three bikes and then, you know, I uh, did a little bit of work for my dad and I got this warranty um, computer screen back. So if you add that together, the cars really only cost me 150
0: quid. Yeah, you're literally (laughs) just bullshitting yourself to make yourself feel better, but that's fine. But it's good. Life is, uh, I mean, looking into a lot. Um, we're all really avoiding pain you all we're really avoiding discomfort you know and that's with technology or the discomfort that okay I didn't quite have it this week Shit, I'm a little bit more off the pace than I expected to be even though I've put a lot of work in like imagine putting 100% in and still failing I mean that's really tough that's a tough pull to swallow you know
1: when you say it, i fully agree with that because you said the same thing like the training wouldn't bother you that's discomfort training but it's physical discomfort it's like mental discomfort it's really what you're avoiding like i i i I'd, I'd happily train to a really crazy sh- schedule I, th- I think like i'd think i could stick with that for a while and i wouldn't be it wouldn't be like what i want to do but it i could no i could do it whereas with racing there's too much mental discomfort that <laughs> I'd fucking rather go riding, you know?
0: Yeah, of course, man. But, yeah, I mean, is it Tyson or Ali or one of those boxers said, like, they hated every minute of training, but they hated losing more. It's a cliche, uh, you know, and I might have butchered it. Maybe we should – maybe it was an Isaac Newton quote. Who knows? He gets credited with all the quotes in the world. But think about that. I hated every minute of training. But I hate to lose him more. But I mean, now we found out Tyson was fucking hiding from a lot more than 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 he w- admitted at the time. You know, I mean, he had a pretty gnarly upbringing. Like, that guy had kind of something to prove, didn't he? You know, that internal yeah. anger and fight. And he luckily had that mental harness. No, but training, <laughs> your life depends on it.
1: Yeah, like, imagine tra- Exactly. You've done a lot of training, a lot of years of training, but then you're not you're training to go quick on your bike i know you, it could end in injury but it's not like like combat sports that is the rawest form of human competition really isn't it 100 like when you've got especially when you've got your training not only are you training for a sport you're training for one human you know what i mean like i'm fighting you needles i'm training for fuck i'm gonna try and take out the legs to be honest with you i'm gonna try and take out the legs so i'm gonna work on the leg kicks because i got because
0: i got skinny weak legs
1: yeah, yes, true. yes. That's exactly why, yeah. So I'm going to go for the le- legs and then I'm just going to like train solely on that as well as all the... Like, like how specific the training is is so insane. Like when you're fighting one you person. You could
0: not pay me to get in the ring with someone else. No, me You couldn't pay nothing. me. Although, how much are they getting paid? Maybe I should rephrase it. <laughs> yeah. Let's play a game of how much would it cost but the PC yeah. version... <laughs>
1: So the, it's such a long drive. So for game. the listeners at home,
0: <laughs> like what would be the painful experience of a photo shoot is often standing around and waiting and and boredom, yeah. discomfort. So us mm-hmm. riders mm-hmm. like to play games to pass the time, and one is, how much would it cost? And sometimes yeah. these much things much get pretty vulgar. But how much would it cost? Let's give an example. Okay, how so much would it instance, cost it to be... get in the ring with Ben Deacon?
1: Oh, well, i do it for free quite a lot but inadvertently i don't want to do it yeah but what... i have to you know yeah good. And point. that's just i'm fighting for my life you know
0: to not have Can a pin on some... your head yeah
1: exactly yeah. yeah i don't know how much it would cost to actually get in a ring with someone i think again like it would cost quite a lot for me i don't like all the hoo-ha surrounding it same same with a lot of stuff the hoo-ha is what puts me off it's like all those people watching the you have to go on at a certain time. You have to do this. You have to be there to register at this time. That's all the stuff that bothers me the most. The actual going in the ring bit doesn't bother me. Is that? It's the same. Okay. So it's the same as like um, how much for you to do Rampage?
0: Yeah. Good point. What, like, But uh, if you were line, riding, if we were just riding out line? There,
1: well, yeah, another good point. But any of the lines... You're at a high enough level. I'm not just sucking you off here on your podcast, dude. But <laughs> you're at a high enough level that, that each and every feature, if someone else has done it, you can do it. I'm not, I've am i always thought like that anyway. I've always thought like, no one's fucking magic, you know?
0: Yeah, that's the annoying thing, yeah. Yeah, if you if you believe internally of of the same talent level or experience level. Yeah, yeah no, I know. That's the yeah. an annoying thing.
1: So... There's a price, there's two different prices for me. There's a price to do it when there's a helicopter and everyone's painted your bike different colours and you're, you know, there's a lot of expectation, the world's watching you. And then there's a different price, which is me, you, some of our mates go out and we're just working our way down a mountain as at our own speed, working it out, having fun, filming each other on our phones. Those two prices are vastly different for me. And I would ride a lot of that stuff it it would never be a full top to bottom run because what's the point you're doing these massive features but i'd tick off i think a lot of different things but that's not to say i could ever compete in rampage i couldn't because i would crumble up there with the helicopter going
0: so that's <laughs> i think where we differ that's where you've yeah. you've understood your like you're not comfortable with it i've i've forced myself yeah. to be comfortable with it. if you do something enough times and i believe even with you if you had this Uh, if you had some sort of goal for racing, we could get you comfortable enough to not cave under pressure to figure out what your process looks like at the top of the hill, which is very different to mine, which is very different to Brendan's. And the top racers are comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's in any sport. It's with giving a speech. I'm not saying you're going to be the best person to give a speech. Some people just dislike that. But to say that I'm just not good at that, I don't think that's fair because I just think you're not putting yourself in uncomfortable positions enough that it feels a yeah. bit more comfortable and you learn to deal with it. Yeah, you could,
1: could be right, yeah. But then but then a part of that discomfort is like ruining the, the, the very thing that I enjoy yeah. and look forward to every day. So that that is like, you know, I don't mind discomfort, but it's like I don't want to ruin it. And I look at other sports and I think, oh, wow. Like I always reference surfers, but I just think how cool it is that something can stay pure and fun and obviously you know dude i'm I know, I know i'm shooting bloody commercials and stuff and you could say that's not pure and fun but i don't know i've tried to keep it fun as long as possible you know and i try and go out on rides where i don't film stuff constantly and i don't
0: yeah what's that what's what's that look like so for a listener they haven't got caught up on ollie i mean you're technically been a pro, dirt jump, million dirt cover magazines, sponsors as a young age, and then worked for DMR, and not to get yeah. too serious about it, and then got to the point that you were almost a person in the industry but not getting paid to ride your bike professionally every day. Now, come full circle, you stuck true to your own beliefs, your own way of doing riding, and now you are a professional bike rider. But that comes with the pressures of having to post on social media? Do I start a YouTube channel? How do I create value? So I'm hearing that you consciously guard and ride without a phone or without a camera to to keep the pureness in the riding?
1: Yeah, I'd say like the whole, even when I was just working in an office and then trying to get out and do photo shoots or whatever, I was always trying to keep actual riding fun is like almost the biggest challenge and that sounds like oh poor you poor you whatever I've been a bum for however many years when I was riding dirt jumps and stuff there just wasn't like money in it so I was working alongside it and I was just trying my hardest to maintain just to maintain relevance really and be in magazines and all of that so in a way nothing's changed it's just changed from in a way now we're the publishers whereas before you were trying to get in a selection of say four magazines that was really it so i was surviving money wise off um photo bonus so photo bonus to people who are listening and don't know is you'll have different um in your contract you have different kind of uh i i dude i doubt they even do photo bonus anymore no
0: huh? they don't well i i don't have it anymore it happened when i was racing and it was quite hefty yeah. and then it's got it's fallen away fallen away and fallen away which yeah, I mean there isn't a lot of magazines. So what did that look like? Or no. what did that uh, what what are we talking? What's the cash?
1: So, photo bonus, what we're talking. So, from my from so say from one brand you could get 250 quid for a front cover. For a double page it would be 200 quid. All of this is like all of this is like um providing you have the right logo size.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there has to visible. be a
1: visible logo or what I learned was if you get your name in the caption with said sponsor they'll be stoked so i used to do that i used to with with dmr i used to get dmr's ollie wilkins i'd make sure that the magazine put that because then they could like yeah so anyway so then i had nike as well giving me photo bonus nike 6.0
0: nice at the
1: time so then that would double it you know so something that seems really lame 250 quid for a front cover front cover is like a year's work like in order to be on the front cover, you have to have already been in the magazine X amount.
0: Well, technically just a lifetime of work because you gotta, you know, like look the part and network and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, it's like so on the photo bonus. So yeah. maybe for the listener, oh, why are you getting paid to be on a cover? And two fifty is almost actually a bit little because what's a full page back then, what you know through DMR, what would a full page ad be in one of these magazines that you were on the cover? How many exactly, five thousand well quid? Ba-
1: Back when the when the numbers were high, yeah, yeah it what, was like two and a half grand for a single page okay. ad. So, so
0: now you have put them on the front cover, which is bigger than a single page, and it's organic. So it's actually got more traction, and then they only and then they're only paying you two hundred and fifty bucks. It's like, what? yeah, come on. I
1: know, right? So I remember my team manager when I was seventeen. This is a long time ago. So Steve Bear, a uh, mutual friend of ours. He got me an eight page um, feature in MBUK, MB which was the biggest one at the time it sold. <clears throat> it's funny actually to compare the numbers because it probably did sell in the region of like 60,000, 70,000 uh, copies a month, which doesn't seem that much when you compare it to like YouTube views or.
0: Yeah, but it, I think it was more core, more core demographic. I would still argue that was. It was. To it was. Day, YouTube, who the yeah. hell's watching it? You're right. Very it was 70, cool, but not 000. always. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was that seventy thousand number. It's like inflation, isn't it? So, and same for the two fifty. The two fifty would have been a lot more in today's money or whatever. It sounds pretty lame to be honest when I vocalise it.
0: Yeah, but you were seventeen, <laughs> so that yeah, exactly. Bought you yeah. a couple. So night- anyway, my team dorms. manager
1: goes to me. Yeah, my team manager goes to me. Fucking eight pages, dude. He's stoked. He's really, really hyped. I've got this um, article. He and he, he goes to me. Do you know what? That's like, I can't remember what you said. He's like, that's like 16,000 pounds worth of advertising. And I was so scared. I didn't even know what, I was, didn't really know why I was sponsored. These are a big, These are a, a thing actually. I didn't know why I was sponsored for quite, for a little bit of time. I would have said I had no clue. I had no clue. I kind of, you see kids today and I think they are the same. I think they think they're sponsored because they're good. But you can be good in a vacuum, and no one—you're not worth any money in a vacuum. You're worth nothing. It's like there's no point. The point is, it's going out to people. So anyway, I was—I was just like blown away. I was like, "What the fuck? Is my fucking going to pay me eighteen grand? <laughs> like, have I just—have <laughs> I just gone pro? I'm still <laughs> working at Halfords at this time, by the way. Have I just gone? Oh, Jesus Christ! Have I just made eighteen grand? Am I? Have I just won the lottery?" Like, and I didn't, and then I couldn't bring it up. Like I was to the point where I'd, I'd have like three spokes missing in my wheel and I'd be too scared to ask for a new wheel. I didn't understand that it's important that I have a new wheel and that I keep my bikes looking good. And like, I didn't understand anything. I I was just a rat, like bumbling around without any clue really what I was doing, why I was doing it, breaking wrists, hiding, trying to make sure they don't find out I'm nailed, getting back amongst it, trying to get covers. Yeah, so it did take me a while for sure to work out what it was. I guess, to be honest, the same goes for you because I always liken like a racer's, um, like someone who's like a pure racer. It's almost like you have like a, a, a military upbringing or something. Like it's very different to what I was doing. What I was doing was way more likely that I would understand marketing and the value of a sponsored athlete to someone who's doing a race I think because if you're just results based your success is limited if you're not going to win every race
0: yeah I mean it's uh, you're a victim of your own success like a Gwyn and all those people like oh but we paid you to win and you're not winning it's like well seconds damn difficult to do as well (laughs) uh, but the ROI like the return on the investment tough to quantify it even is now Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of supply and demand, you know, with the the boom of the cycling industry, there's obviously more opportunity. But same as when you're racing, like if you had a really good season, the best you've ever had, like, cool, I deserve a race. I think that's a fair statement to make. Yeah, I've done better than I've ever done. I've got on the podium for the first time, whatever it is, whatever your achievements were. And then you go into the silly season and you start hunting for rides. But if there are only three teams looking and then there's five guys that had breakout seasons. Okay, well, two of those guys are screwed. But the other way around, you get seasons where you didn't have a great season and just the way the industry goes and there's like 10 teams looking, but there's like five guys with good rides and there's like another three that were about the same. Um, And there you have it. So it's a bit of a supply and demand chain um, out there, which is a pretty tough pull to swallow as well, you know. 'Cause you could yeah. you could really have factually earned a a pay rise or a better team and it just doesn't happen like that. So it's quite quite tough. And the same in the Dirchump scene or in the oh, what are we calling it? Ambassador influencer scene, which I hate the word. You know, it's yeah. just but it's great. I think you've given a good lesson, you know, like you've got to add value and you've got to understand where you must give value to your team and and what they need or what the sponsors need. And, and I think you, yeah. you definitely come across like, oh, I just have fun and I just do this and I've been riding my bike and I'm just, you know, doing all this. But I think I would like to understand because some people don't see how much you go, say, build trails or build a segment or work on your craft and are available for photo shoots. Everyone just sees the social media posting or the videos. Yeah. But there's a lot of work that goes into it. Like, you're not as scared of work you just don't want to work in a direction where it causes anxiety and pressure of like a start clock
1: yeah definitely yeah yeah definitely i mean it's weird isn't it now with with social media is so weird like we are our own publisher so you choose what you put out and you see a lot of like like i guess that, that that influencer tag i see as negative it's like people making fun or whatever but I guess that's all that anyone is paid for. That includes Aaron Gwynn. He has influence because he wins races, whereas some other people on the other end of the spectrum have influence because they get lots of views. And I think if you can live somewhere in between, like, I think, I think the biggest thing would be to be authentic for me. And certainly because I've had experience actually like sponsoring people through working in the bike industry, like that's what I look for the most as, like a say, brand manager or athlete manager or whatever. I'd look for them to be authentic, like an or whatever it is, whether it's a dirt jumper or a cross country racer. You want to see that they actually love it and that they actually live live it completely.
0: And if that and if that lines up with your brand, right? Like what brand awareness yeah, yeah, are you yeah. trying to trying to push, right? If it's a yeah, fun totally, brand, yeah. they want like the fun riders and the authentic ones, and if they're more serious, yeah and maybe they want the races and stuff like it's super interesting now eh?
1: but even if you're just fun you can't be just fun you have to i think authenticity is one of the key key things like you can't just be fun like you have to stay sucker free you can't be like
0: okay i'm lost on the jog and then what so what is not just fun then look like
1: we have to actually either be good or serious or trying to achieve something or trying to do something or like authentic an actual mountain biker, someone who's like, like, I, I always feel a bit, I, I always feel like I, um, if you, you can stay sucker free just by being like motivated by like, like I, there's still parts of the world. I want to ride my bike. I'm still so excited about that. Mm. And I think that comes through whether I like it or not. Like I still want to build more stuff. I still want to do more things on my bike and, all of that goes unsaid almost, but that's like mega important, I think. If you if you had someone winning all of the World Cups, and I'm not saying this has happened, but if you had someone who's winning all the World Cups and you could see they don't enjoy it and you can see that they're just in it for the money, it wouldn't achieve what the brands that they're working with would want, in my opinion. It would be just like almost a hollow, hollow victory. It's just like a robot's winning. Yeah, you World could Cup. have just
0: put a robot. You know, people want to. Um, they want to. What's the word? Not associate. Not resonate. Uh,
1: but I think those are both good words as well, words, dude. I think but, they do.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, that's why we're not. I'm not a creative writing specialist. Sometimes my vocabulary <laughs> and my missus teases me so much. She's like, "Did you? Did you just use that word?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." She's like, "It's not the right." Word. <laughs> It's not the right word. Okay, but I meant this. Like you know what I meant. Do you call a butt. <laughs> it's my chetty. It's time for no, Butt. My chetty. That's what the jovial South Africans would call a female, a lovely lady, a chetty. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. my chetty. A
1: chetty. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start yeah, writing that.
0: Your chetty. Um, Love
1: learning Saffa.
0: Oh, man anyway maybe the word will come to me later but you know when you like meet your star and you're like they're relatable right you you like relatable, exactly, relatable. Yeah. you're like oh Aaron Gwynn also suffers with stress before a race he just doesn't show it I can relate to that that's cool you're relatable yeah. you're not just on this pedestal like for racing yeah. a bike downhill you're like you're a human and like you go through struggles yeah. and you love riding your bike and you're also in between racing and you know Maybe you don't always show it on social media because you've got to come across like, hey, I'm in the gym and I'm doing testing and like I'm earning my paycheck. But in between that, you might be pissing around and and having fun. So relatable, I think, is key on on social media. But, yeah, the kids like out there today, we talk about a lot. We've spoken about it. Brendan comes up on the podcast. It's like you get the questions like, how do I get sponsored? Like, no. How did we get to that question first? You've got to be good at something. And if that's being authentic or inspiring people to go out and ride or or testing product, like what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing and, and where does the value like what, come What do
1: they want in? about being sponsored? Because to me, it'd be like way more fun to just be, how do I get really fucking good at biking? Well, Like well, sponsored is like a, what, what even is it? I don't even, I never even. Well, that's
0: to get free asked. shit. It's to get free stuff.
1: I mean, honestly, I think for the first decade of me riding for a, brands i didn't have a i, I didn't ask for one sponsor I, I was approached by everyone yeah which is quite insane actually think about it but i didn't care about that a lot obviously once i had a sponsor i was like fuck am i fucking buying a bike again Jeez. no 100 percent.
0: i'm quitting the day i don't have a sponsor you heard it here first yeah <laughs> no the bikes are I definitely too expensive. wasn't <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but i wasn't like one of those people with like um
0: Uh, sponsor me board uh,
1: yeah yeah exactly like I and I know it's probably a difference in time I guess maybe and hey
0: if some of those guys are listening and you sent me the message I'm not calling you out like I want to help and 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 you said okay what are you authentic about like I'm authentic about promoting the sport that gave me so much like I have everything because of the sport you know I've got Um, friends away from biking, which is great. And I've got so many friends from biking and businesses and my brother's relationship is strong because of biking, right? So I want people to experience riding like you do. I want to promote the sport. I want to grow it. That's my goal. Yeah. And then that's my end goal. And how do I do that? Okay, I go on trips and I release videos and fortunately I post about me, me, me. But it's like to inspire you to go ride. And that's what I want to give to the kids and, and ask you about it. Like, man, just... What do you really want to do? Do you want to learn to whip? Well, ask Ollie how to whip. Don't ask him how to get free shit. Like, yeah. I want to know. Like, that'll be so much yeah. cooler to whip better. You can always do something cooler, and and that gets it's lost. Funny a bit. as well,
1: because yeah, a lot of the time as well, they want to get sponsored, but they've already got six sponsors, and and their sponsors currently really love them, <laughs> and they conceived them. You know your mum and dad; they're sponsoring you right from the get go. You don't have any money, so when you're when you're a kid, when one of these kids asks you, you're like, "Fuck that! The bike company. If you do get sponsored by a bike company, they're not going to love you as much as your mum and dad."
0: <laughs> no, and, and with it comes expectations, and you need to do your part. Yeah, like yeah, definitely. if you if you are of a financial situation that you don't need a sponsor, it's simpler that way for sure. Yeah. But if you are out there saying, "Look, I'm doing really well, and I can't afford to get to the next race," and like that's a different yeah. story. Definitely message me. I guess I'll help is, you with your
1: because I'll help
0: you with your CV, or I'll say, "Oh shit, we're we not gonna bike." Like that, I want to help with. If you yeah. at a high level, but you're not getting noticed, and you like can't afford shit, like I definitely want to help. I guess help it.
1: I, I don't know what the word is. I guess it does like verify you your worth, doesn't it? Like as a kid as well. Mm. I do. I do understand it. I'm being. I'm. I think we're being knobs, but I think it's also useful to.
0: Well, it's a guarantee think we're not. From that though. angle. Don't actually listen yeah, to us. Yeah,
1: it's 100% we're definitely knobs, yeah.
0: Entitled sponsored pricks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I'm not being deary sarcastic. Me.
1: Deary me. No, it's true. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: true. we've been very fortunate, but you can't lose sight of that you have. So maybe. Posting on social media and going on these trips. I don't know if you ever feel you're like, sure, it's a pretty good lifestyle. Like sometimes you feel you haven't earned it, but it's a lifetime of riding and, oh, and work, right? Time, yeah. So I do want to express that to you or to the listeners. I do have that challenge. And people will be like, what What do you mean you have a challenge? Like you got it so good. It's like, yeah, but you've obviously got to remind yourself, okay, I did ride for so many years and put the work in and now I've got pretty good lifestyle. Like you don't feel like you you earned some of it. Do you ever get that feeling?
1: Um yeah, I would say I get that probably more than you should. Because you have a what is it, 10 year World Cup
0: career? Oh 14 if anyone's counting Ollie, but 14, we're not here about teasing dude. But I'm you've got over teasing. a
1: decade of racing at the highest level. So that's like you don't need to worry about authenticity. <laughs> you know, like that's that's done. That's checked off. I don't think Regardless of if anyone, if someone comes new to the sport and they're like, "Oh, who's Andrew Neathling? Well, has he fucking got a podcast?" Yeah, what a toss! Oh well, he raced for 14 years at the highest level. He was one of the fastest guys in the world. It's like that. That's it. Done. Whereas I feel like I've got to like, yeah, especially nowadays with this new breed of like people that, um, yeah, no, people that really can't ride and they they are doing their influencer thing without actually. They're not actually good at biking at all in any way, but they're really good at the other side of it. Well, they're they're really good at just one side of it. Like you get lumped, I get lumped in with that after I've tried really hard for a lot of years. I'm not saying I'm not one of them, but I just mean I have tried for really a long time. (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, I I do appreciate that. And that's actually therapy for me. And it's uh, obviously you can attach it to the ego and stuff. But I guess it gives you a a little bit more self-belief. And um, and you've spoken a little bit more like when you were a kid and you got good at something, gave you a little bit of confidence to go out there. Yeah. So that's interesting. Like, I've got confidence. I did something. I can go out in the world and try this new thing. But I've got to reinvent myself, which is a challenge then I, but I can say, okay, I've done that by doing this and I'll take that attitude and work ethic and, and, and go in this direction. Right. And, yeah. but I, I don't think you must forget that. I mean, how many dirt covers do you have? Yeah. I, I and this is not like tried for a very ego. long time. How many dirt covers? Five. That's a lot. Right? Mm. That's a it's a hell of a lot that some people, even if they tried, would never achieve. And that's not just that's not from networking, that's not from smoozing some photographer, that's from riding and trying to look different on a bike and your own unique style, and then you were rewarded with a dirt cover. So yeah, it is a challenge, I guess, if you feel you've but earned a spot and then you feel someone else is not authentic and they're just very good at like networking, marketing and self promotion.
1: Yeah. Like the, yeah, the art of self-promotion is odd, isn't it? Like, like I the, can't say it's something that actually comes naturally, probably it doesn't come naturally to me. Like social media isn't something that I would do myself um, in normal everyday life.
0: But you've got think. pretty good at it in your career though, I must say. Like I look at yours sometimes and I'm like, fuck, he's thought about that, he's put effort into that. And I'm like, oh, it feels so influency, but we're very lucky to have it. Did you watch Fake Famous? Yeah, definitely. Did you yeah. watch Fake Famous?
1: No, I haven't. No. Oh,
0: my no, God. No. So is Maybe this not. the one
1: where they make a, someone famous through their social media kind of thing? They, like, do all of the...
0: Yeah, mate. And it got me thinking. I'm like, I wonder how much is happening in the bike world. And um, so they take, not to ruin it, take, like, yeah. four people, and some of them really want to be famous for the wrong reasons. And it's a guy that is in journalism, and he basically takes four of these people and two or three of them carry on with the show and they get this one um girl who's a aspiring actress and model and um to they grow this girl's instagram but they use bots they buy followers and it becomes this like evil cycle that this the producer of the show has to like keep buying and then she's like why is no one liking but anyway they get this girl up to like over 100,000 followers and she starts getting product opportunities. She starts getting asked on like shoots and becomes a, a famous person for being famous but she's never done anything. She's just famous for yeah, having yeah, followers yeah. and it goes down that rabbit hole and like, they like they they literally figure out like Kim Kardashian they reckon like she is crazy famous don't get me wrong but like half of her followers could easily be bought and then bots that are liking and commenting and then it ups the engagement then sponsors give her more stuff and then it's like so are you cheating or are you just self promoting and investing in yourself? So where do you draw the line?
1: Man, it's so weird because you you can view it from you're viewing it from the what you put out angle, but then ultimately, yeah I mean che- buying st- buying followers is cheating full stop but f- from a brand's point of view, it's like a hundred thousand followers is a hundred thousand followers it's like'm you're just putting it in front of people, you're putting it on a stage, aren't you so it's like it doesn't matter that she's not necessarily good at something to quite a lot of brands. I think it really matters in mountain biking. I like to think that, yeah, that someone's worth is still based somewhat on how good they actually are at riding, not just like – you can't just be like – Well, that's what
0: the – but that's what the film's about. He's like it's people have gone away, kids from – Aspiring Michael to be uh, a lawyer, a sportsman, Michael Jordan. No, the number one on the list is I want to be famous. Yeah, but Michael Jordan's famous because he's yeah. insanely good. It's all good gone wrong. It at has basketball. all gone wrong.
1: And that's, that's the that's relatability aspect. It? It's like these shows, these like shows that you see normal people doing normal things. It's like they become famous for being normal and doing r- normal things. They almost become famous for doing bad things you know like the people on big brother or i can't remember all those fucking shows they're not good for the world i wouldn't say and i i dread to think what it's like to be that person sure you've just got yourself a million million quid a year for four years or for maybe for two years and then uh, basically your wage will go down from there unless you find what you're good at but finding what you're good at when you've got the eyes of the world on you would be very difficult Like Michael Jordan knows what he's good at. So when he's famous, he's always got like, I I talked about this with someone the other day. Um, Who was it? So so YouTubers, um, mountain bike YouTubers, when stuff starts to go wrong, I imagine it would be very difficult if all your eggs are in that basket and, you know, you're surviving off it. If then it starts to go wrong, you've not got anything to, you don't have like any amount of like ego, protective ego to fall back on. Like, yeah, well, I'm still fucking good at biking or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't mind. I'm still fucking quick or I'm still really good at tricks or whatever. You don't have any kind of self. Your worth is dictated by how many fucking stupid views and comments and likes you get. It's, it's, It's terrifying thought really, isn't it?
0: But that's a very dangerous place and it and, uh, takes yeah. time time to be aware of it. Same as racing. If you yeah. derive your worth from a result, then someone like Brendan could be pretty depressed if his results start waning. But Brendan's very good at getting over it.
1: Yeah, can you take that clip and just make that the like... What? <laughs> Such what? a burn.
0: So I just burn Brent. Brendan?
1: If you... Yeah, yeah. Brent, if you base your sort of career on... Results, no, I didn't dude. say Korea. I said You'd be self-worth. really
0: depressed. <laughs> I said self-worth. That's
1: uh, yeah, all right. We're safe. You won't listen to this shit. He's building yeah, walls, no, digging holes.
0: No, he's too fucking cool. You wouldn't even wouldn't even He's like, "I'll share it on my story, but I can't put it on my main feed." I was like, "What? what oh, fa- I got to put this not- on my main feed?" Well, yeah, it goes without saying. Oh, did you, you signed hell. the indemnity, the cause? <laughs> no, but I was like, fucking way too cool sometimes. <laughs> no, I said if you had to derive your self-worth, it would be dangerous yeah. if your results were waning. I didn't no, say I you, do, I, the results were waning.
1: Yeah, I'm only joking. Prob- I do get what you say. saying, 100%. That's
0: probably not, is that even the right word?
1: What is weird? no, it, it, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, like, the yeah, but funny is it thing the about... right
0: word back to like me using the wrong words? No, that's yeah, that's that's all right. Yeah, I didn't spot any bad words. This show is about self discovery and self deprecation on me. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. You can yeah. burn
0: me all day.
1: So, the thing about fucking YouTube, and I don't know if you so any other social media platform, no matter how much you don't care about it, you know, approximately what your average sort of uh. Performance of a post might be you can't help it. you just end up knowing it.
0: yeah, or maybe
1: right I do. I try and work out what's the the only way to play the game is work out what does well, I guess, so yeah. yeah, with YouTube, you have a figure attached to it, which is worth money that you can spend in a shop. so you get ad revenue, right? Mm. So if you're used to, if if you're um doing well as a youtuber and you're getting let's say, I don't, I don't know, two grand a month, let's say. So there's certainly, by the way, I get approximately $100 a month, just to put that in perspective. So,
0: so people can understand, not really worth the amount of work he puts in. To no, it's, you guys it's, quite, it's quite a
1: lot of work for <laughs> no return. But But what it does do is it gives you this number that you're aiming for. So you're saying this month, my output is worth this much to me. So however many, however much time you spent editing it, recording it, however much money you spent on the flights, you know, you have this money coming back. And I think when people are used to two grand and then they move down to, say, 300 quid, I think it would be like... If, it, if If all your eggs are in that basket, it would be a feeling of like, fuck, it's just like a pay cut. It's just like someone... It's like your boss coming up, coming into you, sitting you in a room and just going... Listen, um, you're performing the exact same way you've performed before for two grand, but we want to offer you three hundred pounds now. Is that okay? Because well, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be okay. We're going to do that. So that's you. That's your life. That's your that's your value. That's your
0: is that without livelihood. naming names. Is that can happen sometimes with algorithms? No, or... I, th- I think
1: it does happen often. I think anyone who yeah. So right here's another thing. So when you like upload unless you Joe video, Ro- unless
0: you Joe Rogan like yeah, you just might home runs, be, the, home be runs. the popular, and then you might not be mm. as popular. Okay. Like I,
1: like I'm talking from a from a person who doesn't actually care. I see it as a part of my job. I don't actually care, but I notice that you can see. So when you put up a post, it rates it out of t- out of your last ten posts. So let's say you've put it up for half an hour it will rate the performance for the last 10 posts at that point. So half an hour in, let's say you get a thousand views on one post, you get 500 views on another, you'll go down the ratings. So a one out of 10 means you're onto something good. Your post is performing really well. A 10 out of 10, you know, I'm again, I need to reiterate, I really truly don't care how my YouTube goes. $100 for me or $50 isn't like changing my life too much. But even, even I am like, Oh, another 10 out of 10. You know, it's like, Oh, that trip wasn't good. Or that video is wasn't good. a bit good
0: depressing. Or. You ever like have to catch yourself and be like, Oh, I feel pretty shit after looking at that. Yeah. It's, it's uh,
1: you know, and I, and, and I obviously don't, obviously I do care, but I don't really, it doesn't really affect me because I'm not, I don't have all my eggs in that basket. It's not like I rely on it, but at the same time, you want to do good. You want to feel like you're doing good work, and like people, I guess what it is is that you want to feel like people like what you're doing. The work that you're doing is reaching people. people want, so
0: people do want to be liked in the world. I mean, that's also quite a natural. Yeah, I emotion. want to be liked, man. Hey, man. <laughs> this is therapy. Moving the needle therapy podcast. Andrew, I just want to be liked. And um... how does that make you feel, Ollie?
1: <laughs> Can you tell me more? It make when I get when I get a. Andrew, when I get a 10 out of 10 on YouTube, I don't feel like anyone likes me and I don't feel valued and I feel like I... I don't feel very much self-worth and I want to talk about it. No, but you can imagine if you... Like, ultimately, I still really like riding and I still have enough other things that will make me feel like I'm okay at my job. But if I just, just relied on YouTube then, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> and it's like the clearest way of laying out. It's, it's like a depression machine, I feel like YouTube is. <laughs> Me and Sam talked about it before. It's like, Which, it is Reynolds tough. A lot of people... That, um, Reynolds.
0: Yeah, it's but not I mean, for everyone, man. YouTube's but everyone struggles
1: everyone, on it. You know, people... It's, it's weird being like every single... You know, Pilg is amazing, dude. Pilg gets up on a rainy Wednesday... And he goes out and he makes a video, you know, he's making, what is it? Three, two or three videos a week. That's mind blowing. He edits them as well. So he has to get the motivation to get up, get in a shopping trolley, go down the stairs and whatever he does, whatever he's doing that day, go to a park bench and backflip off it, whatever it is, he has to, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of like effort to do that and,
0: Do you think? Do you think? No, no, and as it should, because there's a hell of a lot of work that goes into. Mm. Like, I haven't spoken to him for a while, and I'd love—I must actually try have a chat with him. But I have heard, like, from the grapevine that he's maybe not always that happy with it. So, do you think he's still able to stay authentic, or has it become a little bit that he's forcing himself to get in a shopping trolley some days, just because he's in the hamster wheel, hamster wheel of YouTube? That's but then it's authentic. Then it's yeah. Worth the filming pursuing. aspect,
1: yeah. But I think he fucking really loves having fun every single day. I mean, uh, to me, he doesn't need to be authentic because he's world champ. He's FMB world champ, and he's one of the most incredible bike riders.
0: Yeah, he's an incredible bike People rider. People completely gives forget him that, that you, edge.
1: You can't talk smack on Pilgies. He was the one first of the best guy to ever. Do
0: a flat back, a flat drop, flat drop backflip. flip. Yeah, remember in in um, Winterberg or where were we? Yeah Winterberg he that's crazy wasn't it? it? Down and it was a really big one as well at the time. So yeah. because so he he's got mutual respect from us. He's not just a YouTuber. We're like oh he does YouTube now. Yeah. But then he then I saw and I wanted to ask you I don't know if you chatted to him he went back to like some slope style comps. And I saw him preparing for it. I wonder if if that was good for him to take himself out of just YouTubing and cuz he still goes to some comps or events as well. Yeah. So that's probably healthy for him.
1: Oh, I mean, definitely. I think he's aware he's not... Well, I mean, he could be competitive. You just have to be a bit of a robot, really, to be competitive at that nowadays. I find it hard to relate to Slopestar these days. Jeez. Like, you're watching Emil ride, it's like, or Max ride, or Nikolai ride. I just think it's like, yeah, I find it hard to relate to that kind of riding, really. They're just like, they are robotic. It's gymnastics now, isn't it? It's like, they're all so, so good.
0: That sport, like, chews people up. Huh? Like, Brett Reader's not really competing. like yeah. Chews you up pretty good. Like the you level... just have to be
1: so good at so many different things, don't you?
0: Well, And, you like, know if you're
1: I mean... used to winning as well, it's pretty tough.
0: It's such a, like, uh, victim of your own success. Like, if you yeah. win so much. You see the motocross and stuff as well. Like, then you yeah. you're hired to win. So then... If you don't win, there's all this pressure and this, from the sponsors and your salary mm-hmm. and all this. Like to go from someone that won a championship and then dominates for a bit, it's quite hard to then go be Kevin Windham. Yeah, and like you're paid to be on a podium, or you're paid to do the work, or you're paid to be there. But you know, an Eli Tomac, a Dungey that's retired, Poto, you hear them speak about it.
1: People say sports people like die twice, and it sounds dramatic, but I think there's like some truth in it for i can only imagine for someone who's at the top of their game to then not be at the top of your game is really the very thing that got you to the top of your game it's like working against you inversely so it's like horrible isn't it
0: yeah i mean i had i had a sports psychologist that raced with mike day the bmxer you remember mike day i think yeah he was such a fan favorite even in mountain biking just because of his style and yeah. and what he brought to BMX, and that guy's gone into sports psychology, and we spoke about that, you know, retirement from sport, is like a death, it is, you kind of have to be aware that you're going to maybe grieve this thing you've lost, even though you shouldn't associate that you are a professional sportsman, like you happen to do that, but it's not, it shouldn't be your whole self-worth, and when it is, it becomes even worse, like, Man, Dude, I think a lot of difficult. people really struggle with that process, and it is quite depressive. And and people turn to alcohol, turn to drugs, turn to other things to like fill that void. Yeah, because it is really difficult,
1: actually. Because I would, yeah, like self worth. You can't not base because you if you're if you're getting good at something, you're just building off your where you pre, where you're previously at. And that is you where you're previously at. So it can't not be, in my head, it can't not be a, an element of self-worth. You can't not, and like what's motivating you to get really good at this weird activity? Yeah, there's. you might love it, but also there must be something else. Like like undoubtedly my self-worth came from being good at something, you know, when I was younger anyway. I I would say in my head, it's not now, but maybe it is like when you actually think about it, like the thought of just, yeah, of, of not being good at anything or not real, not sort of like, like I'm aware that I'm, uh, you know, in, in like a normal setting, I'm like a bike guy. But what does that really mean? That means I'm good at biking, I guess.
0: Yeah, so you know? a couple of things. So that's quite a challenge when you retire, if that's what you're good at, right? So your skill set is biking. and Now you're like, okay, I'm going to go earn money with the skills... Oh, wait, that biking skill set, I've retired from that and no one needs my services. Oh, yeah, shit. It's like a useless so skill, isn't it? That's the one thing. But what was cool is is um, chatting to this guy, and he's like, but why did you become good at biking? And what, what's your character and your attributes? What are you good at? So I might be good at, you know, risk-adverse and, and delay gratification. So what career might that help with and he was like we so Mike Day says he might want to get into firefighting right he might want to go that route because he likes physical activities realize he really likes that and he was like yeah fuck yeah I want the former pro to like get me out of the building he's going to be so good under pressure (laughs) yeah he's the one I want to come rescue me because he's going to be calm under pressure he's going to he's going to like single-mindedly focus and get the job done because that's what you do in sport you just yeah. focus on one thing and you just won't let it go until you get it. So I was yeah, like, Oh, yeah. that's pretty cool. He's like, Yeah, I want the mountain bike, I want the pro BMX to fetch me out of that burning building. And I was like, That's pretty cool. It's a good way to like retrain your brain to look at the scenario, you know?
1: Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. I was um, like, that's Deeks was cool. saying that's the other helpful. day, yeah, Deeks was saying the other day, Sergeant Majors just retired after I don't know how many years he's like at retirement age, so a lifetime in the military. And Deeks was saying it's rad to see him and to um, celebrate this. I can't, I can't remember what they call it. There's something in the military where you retire. What you, I can't remember what the word is for it. But he was saying, honestly, he does worry for him. He worries after, you know, after he did, what did Deeks do, like 10 years? And Deeks found it really difficult to come back to normal life. And I actually kind of, I'm not comparing the actual Act of what you're doing, but what I am comparing is being so in something that's kind of separate to the rest of the world, and sport is a good example of that. I feel like because you just you're just in a whole different sphere. I feel like so when you come back to normal everyday life and you realize you're not you're no longer, um, you know, uh, Aaron Gwynn, you're just a bloke, or you're no longer Sergeant Major, blah blah, you're just a bloke i think i can see it as being super hard like
0: you lose a form of your identity yeah there is i guess some loss of that even though you're not meant to identify that but it yeah it, totally it's tough isn't it yeah w- w- war veterans and, and people that come back from war maybe goes to similar things and we're definitely not comparing you know there's no,
1: no i'm not comparing the act but i'm just comparing the yeah. feeling of like being a bit of a cause i do feel like a bit of an alien um, and i'm not at the top of my game by any means but i do feel like a bit different for ev- from everyone else or from normal society you know i don't have like and i'm pretty normal really my, my routine is not as wild as some people's crazy schedules and still the thought of like i don't know working in a coffee shop would be weird for me i think sometimes i love the idea of it sometimes i
0: most like the of the time I don't
1: yeah the simpleness yeah
0: Yeah, there's something to be said. No, there's something to be said for that. I think you can go travel around and chase all sorts of lifestyle and like the Mm. simple, scheduled simplicity of life can be pretty freeing as well.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I think I'm designed for a small life, not for social media and just like telling everyone all this all this stuff the whole time, like trying to it's like showing off tap dancing the whole time. Sometimes I think actually. (laughs) I'm not really cut out for that. I'm going to be in a small town, Do you maybe chopping some wood, like or it's
0: just someone pulling strings, and you're like, yeah. Puppet. Do you
1: know what I mean? No. Do you ever think that as like someone who has to talk about themselves? I, I appreciate it. I'm on a fucking podcast talking about myself. You know, I, I know how stupid it sounds, but
0: <laughs> well, the world is full of uh irony and uh, yeah. contradiction, and. It happens. No, it's great to hear your thoughts because I can resonate with a lot of them and and sometimes and uh, yeah, like in an appreciative way, it's super interesting. We just do something different. It would be Mm. like there's like an astronaut goes up to space for a super long time. Like he would have to normalize himself back into society after. How weird would that be? After that.
1: I mean, physically it'd be weird because you wouldn't be floating when you walk down the street, but also (laughs) mentally like hearing people... um, Deke said something to me actually. Fuck, you should get him on the podcast. I know you already have. He said something to me like when he came out of the uh when he came out of the war zone, he'd come back home and he'd see people like like in road rage or, or like complaining about stuff and just everything seemed so trivial. <laughs> Which I, I can imagine as an astronaut you'd think the same. You'd be like, What are you complaining about pushing you in the queue? Don't worry about it, man.
0: Yeah, dude. You're such a small speck in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. No, but it's true. And, and going through those like life-altering experiences and, and maybe losing friends in war and almost losing your own life in war, I think it just shocks you into realizing yeah, what really matters. And Deeks is a perfect example. That's why I got him on.
1: Yeah, he's, he's like, great I mean, for I, that. I, he's good I'm, to be around for that like, as well.
0: You know, And it's like, well, you appreciate life. You go out and you do things, and you know that like, tomorrow is not a given like it's not yeah. a, it's not a given so what are you going to do today to like live your best life as cliché as it is and yeah, deeps totally. great for that i love challenges it's fascinating it you is know, really someone good that isn't it? that didn't have any direction in life and and decided fighting for your country is where he's going to go and to go through that training number 1 and then to go and 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 be through those like traumatic experiences and he yeah. Yeah, it was tough for him to come back and to like normalize. You know, you're not like better or worse than anyone else that has a nine to five. Like, I never no, it's want not someone to it's just a parallel hear these world, guys isn't and be it? like, these fucking guys think they're so much better. Like, absolutely not. There's no better. There's just different.
1: Yeah. It's just a parallel world, isn't it? Yeah, it's very odd, isn't it? Very odd. But I, I can see, I can completely see how it's like that for sports people. You know, I'm not putting myself in that category, by the way, just to make make it clear but you know like someone retiring from a sport i can
0: yeah but what about if you had to retire or you know eventually you you will eventually you might find something else or you're too old to be an influencer or whatever or they don't want to see your tits on instagram anymore then
1: saggy like dad bod
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah in a waterfall dad not in anymore (laughs) so you need to find a new career you might have to then go through that phase of like Okay, yeah, definitely so get, my phase would be
1: much smaller than I imagine yours was, but...
0: No, I don't think so. It's all relative. It's all relative. Like, everyone's problems are relative. Yeah. Do you I just think,
1: think routine that? and pattern of a racer is a harder thing... Is That's a harder thing to break or, like, to...
0: Well, I do miss that. I do yeah. personally miss that, and I try sort of build routine into my weeks and stuff. Otherwise, yeah. you kind of just feel like you're floating about and getting nothing done in You just coach. got a
1: Google calendar just with wank written on the hour for every <laughs> for every hey. single day of the week. It's beep, it's on beep, my beep, list. Oh it's that time
0: <laughs> That's a lot. 24. <laughs> maybe Twenty four Maybe Deeks could Get out. maybe Deeks could. I know <laughs> I could I'm thirty seven Ollie <laughs> What's, what's your record? 23, since it's your lucky number. <laughs> yeah, dude,
1: 23. No, you knew before you asked. No. I've <laughs> I teed you up. I can't remember what we're talking about now. It always ends up like dicks interrupt. Dicks and just like toilet humor always it just interrupts the interesting points, doesn't it?
0: Well, I think we've just taken the list of down what it's like to be on a shoot on top of a mountain, away from cell phone signal and waiting for the next shoot or shot. Mm. Pretty much goes back down to toilet humour.
1: Oh, that's what—that's where we last. That's where we last checked in, wasn't it? That was it. It was um, what you what you do on a shoot when it was the uh, how much to fight. That's what it was. It was how much to fight someone.
0: Oh, is that where your brain's gone? Well, that's. I think that I think was the last checkpoint. Forty minutes of rabbit hole. If that's the yeah, last and then thing I forgot I was on a
1: podcast, and there you have it, podcasting.
0: <laughs> podcasting one oh one.
1: Yeah. Have you oh
0: enjoyed um, have you enjoyed uh being a staple and and co-hosting the Hooked podcast because I like
1: I've, I've actually loved it and I appreciate the plug dog because you know that's yeah. much appreciated the um yeah that's something I never really thought because I've been on Davey's podcast the It podcast uh a couple of
0: times I've been a guest, which can be found on Apple, Spotify, and your major podcast platforms. Just search oh, HKT correct. Podcast.
1: That's correct. And make sure you give them a follow on the Instagram platform as well. Davy, uh,
0: I'm sending the invoice your way. That's an ad <laughs> read right there.
1: Yeah, exactly. But honestly, I've been like a so realistically, I'd be, only been on Davy's podcast because he knew that I was like a podcast fan. Outside of mountain biking, I've always been a podcast fan. Like so, yeah, yeah. So I went on his um podcast a couple of times and then we got to the start of the lockdown and uh he came up with the idea to yeah do a lockdown companion and then we were just doing like weekly shows because the lockdown here was pretty weird if in for certain people that especially if you don't have to go to an office every day uh, or if you're unable to work in inverted commas so the world had just shut down and we were just stuck at home and i think a lot of our listeners felt the same so yeah, so we started the Lockdown Companion and then that's turned into the Ride Companion, which is now available on iTunes, Spotify, and make sure you check out the videos on youtube.com.
0: No unpaid advertising, so please take that back. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> okay. This is an ad-free episode. I, exactly, <laughs> but
1: I actually love it because... For
0: the premium version with no ads, please <laughs> subscribe to my... Is it a Patreon account? What are those you should
1: get for? one. I like that. Yeah, Patreon. Fuck off, you reckon? But you don't normally um, sit down and talk to someone. I didn't really know Davey that well before lockdown. And then you sit down and talk to someone, you know, from one to three hours. Even this, this is like one of the longer conversations we probably have in, in life. I know we've been on a lot of trips or whatever together. and
0: Yeah. But on, but, in one sitting. Absolutely. Yeah. You're
1: just fully focused in. So you end up having really good conversations with people, I think. So now i You know, Davey's a super good mate, and I feel like I know him pretty well, and he knows me pretty well, and that's really just through podcasting, which is crazy. I mean, we we have uh, we fuck around a lot on our one. I mean, as you've been on it, so you know, but to some of your listeners, it's not quite the same structure and uh, intellect as the uh, Moving the Needle podcast, I would say. I don't know, man. It's good fun. It's weekly.
0: Everything in life
1: yeah and it's it honestly it's like i I enjoy it dude it's like therapy for me as well we'd fuck around for an for an hour or so two hours a week and uh yeah never thought i'd uh, be podcasting but i am i'm sure you're the same
0: so yeah well absolutely no thanks to Davey because he got me on and it was basically him that educated and gave me the runaround of how to do it because it's not as easy as a YouTube to start one and Mm. you got to commit and I don't know, 50 odd in here when we launch this one, when it goes live. And like you say, it's been a great way to reconnect with people. It's an excuse for you to actually answer my WhatsApps and come on and have the chat. You I can't believe I didn't get episode
1: 23, by the way. That's probably when you asked me, isn't it?
0: Easily. Yeah, man, I asked you way back. We should have, oh man, I should have just blocked that number out. And then <laughs> <laughs> rebroadcast episode 23. All right, we'll do 123. If. Please, that's we my remem- spot, dude. Get me booked I in. If I remember, yeah. Book you That's in. my
1: spot. Get me booked in. You've got a lot of. You've got that's 70 a, more podcasts to go off this then.
0: Quite a, that's quite mm-hmm. a, bit. That's a bit.
1: Quite a body yeah, of work.
0: I, I'm doing twice a month. Um,. Because it's obviously on the side. And like you say, people are like, oh, podcast, it's free. Great. Let's complain about the audio quality or something. Like, dude, yeah. <laughs> this is fucking two days work per episode, I bet you. Yeah, know? exactly. Like, you know, and I, Have you ever you done know, one on your own? No, we spoke about that. I'm avoiding that like the plague. I feel like you, you do... survived it, huh?
1: Yeah, I survived it. Yeah, Davey, Davey came off his bike and um, couldn't do the podcast. He had uh, all broken ribs. And I, yeah. I was just like, like I was, I wanted to suggest it and I wanted to try it anyway. So i rabbited on, I don't know how, for how long, but I managed to get one episode by myself, but it was tough.
0: Well, it's like that, uh, you know, going into an uncomfortable situation, like you don't want to do it. It sounds, it's quite daunting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe in the future I I might do like
0: little ones. I might do little ones. Depends like where this goes and. Yeah, and if we get some traction with the numbers and notes, so it's on the side twice a month. When I do the race ones, maybe that's that's more, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But I don't want it to cut into too much bike time and 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 all that other stuff. But it's a fascinating medium. I love it. I mean, I'm I've been podcasting ever since I can remember. Especially all my travels on the planes and stuff. Yeah. Audiobooks now, but back then there weren't audiobooks. So podcasting was a way to pass the time. Maybe educate myself. Um, You're
1: Tim. You 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 fuck with Tim Ferriss, don't you? Yeah, I think, Tim, I, think I think I think I go you through introduced phases. Me to Tim Ferriss.
0: Yeah, like if I want to do business or you know pick you know check the brains of these like successful people, there's Tim Ferriss. Obviously, everyone yeah. knows those two, but there's so many in between that I might learn through that, or a friend might forward one, and then I check it out and. You know, you can learn anything through a podcast if you like that medium. Be it what was the one that
1: you, you, yeah, I know, I know, because you used to try and get. Don't me to even listen go to there. Don't <laughs> even go there.
0: What was it called? No or... way, somehow letting that out.
1: <laughs> well, it was like so, a dating one, wasn't it? Okay, so next if, thing, next.
0: Okay, next thing. So, in my youth, nah, fuck it. We had to expose ourselves—the good, of the bad, yeah. the ugly. So if a friend asked me I'm asking You're asking for a friend And if a friend asked me There are podcasts That you can go If you struggle Not struggle It was more like <laughs> Upping your game I think yeah. upping your game Is better struggle <laughs> Go on, please Yeah no go on
1: Please well, okay. Continue So what was no. this What What was it for
0: What was it for <laughs>
1: <laughs> So upping nerds. your game in what did it do so you? Yeah, so you're on the um Was it what was it called? Micro peanut or something <laughs> living with micro pit.
0: <laughs> I uh I definitely helped a few of Brendan's friends. Did you did you actually the...
1: find it worked though? Any of the so so two people cuz people still okay. don't know what we're banging on about.
0: Yeah, so all full disclosure, I think it was called the mating grounds and I That was did, it. Yes. But let's give the context. And content. it was funny. So, it was funny. This guy is hilarious. His name's Tucker Max, and if you Google um, Tucker Max, do they serve beer in hell? He became famous for his writing. I think it's called satire writing, and it's it's so self-deprecating, it's insane. It's basic like all its college horror stories and yeah. hooking up slash messing up the evenings of trying to hook up with women. But he's super smart. He went to be a lawyer, and he studied to be a lawyer, and then he eventually realized like. He's not going to be a lawyer. Um, and he st- started passing some of these stories around to friends. And they were like, this is incredible. You should. So he wrote books and became so famous that they made a movie about him, Do They save Beer in Hell? But he's actually such an intellect, he's launched a company called, it was called Book in the Box, and now I think it's called Scribe. And if you want to write a book but without physically writing, you can contact them and they'll do a lot of interviews and see if it's worth writing the book and they'll write it for you and produce it for you or publish it for you. I've heard so of Scribe. So know, he's yeah. like super funny, super intelligent, and takes a piss of himself. And then yeah. he started, So and then because of the books, people used to contact him and say, hey, like, can you help me with women? Like, I'm struggling in my dating life, and I'm messing up just like you. And he's like, uh, that wasn't the point of the book. Okay, I'll find some material. Like, I'm just taking the piss here. And he researched, and he had no information to help, like, Young aspiring males to be better men to attract better women,
1: get game, and
0: um, get game. But they are obviously like the sneaky, sleazy way of pulling women called The Game. Right. Like, I think there's a book called The Game, and he was I the think opposite. You just can't quite so then, remember then, if that's
1: I think it was called, the...
0: <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> <Anyway, laughs> <got> uh, <a> long-winded <laughs> way, and he greets out to a psychologist that was also in this field, and they were like, fuck, nothing exists. No one's, like, got studies on it. No one's, like, helping men not be fucking idiots and just, like, flailing around, just, like, thinking a woman's going to fall in their lap. Like, you have to be proactive as well. Um, and um, they started a podcast and I think wrote a book, and then now he's gone on to do other things. So that's a long-winded way Yeah. of, uh, yeah, fuck it. Be a better, Dude, it's basically I like been. being a better person, really.
1: Yeah. I, I, I wonder if I'd, if I'd uh, ever got into it, whether I would have got better at it. I was always very bad at it. But I think the biggest thing with girls, you know, I'm trying to join you on the we're bad at girls sort of, sort of thing now. I thought that'd be... But I think the biggest thing was when I was younger, I used to try so hard. It was so difficult. That's what... If if, if there's anyone listening to this podcast that's really struggling with um, chicks, then uh, probably don't listen to myself or Andrew about it. But... Maybe try that mating grounds podcast, eh?
0: Well, yeah, honestly, I mean the f- <laughs> like you said, try so hard. I mean, don't listen to us, listen to us, but I mean, the funniest <laughs> thing there, I mean, there might be youngsters that want to go up and, 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 I don't know, get with the female demographic, but no one likes it. Try hard, like my, nah, exactly. Who, who do you want to hang out with at the bar or wherever? Like the guy having fun or the guy trying to act cool?
2: This
0: is what.
1: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but too much fun's bad as well. It needs to be in between. It needs to be like this. Like, imagine I'm like, like, imagine how smoking hot I am right now. So I'm there at the bar, it's smoky, got a cigar (laughs) in my hand, (sighs) blow out a load of smoke, and then. (laughs) That was a belly laugh. Then you want to come over and you're interested, aren't you?
0: Yeah, but that's not authentic. <laughs> Back exactly. to being Willy authentic. Windmills and the <laughs> pedoing
1: so <laughs> smirnoff ice. <laughs> you can
0: take the piss all you want. We'll leave it. We'll leave it there. This is definitely not a dating advice podcast, and you shouldn't take. Even Could though somehow man. my lovely, beautiful better half, maybe she's blind. I don't know. Yeah. So you've done all right. I'm very appreciative. You've done all right. And, uh, we've done all right in the end be authentic self we'll leave you with that
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like that i like that brilliant like,
0: i don't know it comes but i think it comes to that self-belief and self-confidence the guy yeah, that definitely you know like is content with himself and and not trying to be someone he isn't that that comes across a lot you know and, and looks a lot of people struggle with confidence writing yeah absolutely school Woman, it's a daunting It's a daunting topic definitely
1: yeah i don't really feel like i've got much to uh give on that side of things i always feel you do feel a bit of responsibility talking on a podcast like as if i know anything you know the one thing i know is that i don't know anything that's one thing that i've become more comfortable with as i've got older is that i don't yeah, know I fuck all so I, don't, I, I really sincerely hope that no one listens. That's the one creepy thing about podcasting, isn't it? I hope no one actually listens thinking I fucking know anything.
0: No, we want them to <laughs> listen for the downloads, but don't yeah. implement anything we say. No, I agree La- with you. I think yeah. the more you l- learn or try to learn, the more you realize you know less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, no, fuck, tease me all you want. I'm all for growing and being educated and realizing I know fuck all. Yeah, so absolutely. Let's go hey, on this so- journey together.
1: So when did we? When did you first come over to the to stay at Bren's? When will I have first met you? Will it have been there or at a race? Might have been at a race, eh? It
0: could have been a race, but I don't know. Of his fifteen friends that stayed in his orange sprinter van, if you were one of those, it could have been there.
1: <laughs> I think. Um, I think it will have been when you came to Surrey Hills for the first time.
0: Yeah, I think so. And there was in between a race, I think I'd had a back injury and we'd um me and Bren had been riding together and met at a race when I was on Mongoose and he was on Orange. And then I think the move to Trek, but I hadn't come to England and he's spoken about it and I know like Sam had come over and even Greg before then. So I was always eager to do it. And then I think I had like a break and a back injury. He said, Well come to come to mind. We'll get you sorted at a an osteo or something and then the rest is history really, yeah.
1: It's a shame, you know, he, he misses you at the races. I think I, I speak on his behalf. <laughs> he does. It was so good. Those, well, those days were bloody good, well. weren't they?
0: Will that be a soundbite as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, it should be, yeah. What did you He's think like, when you Ollie, first came you to th- Surrey Hills then? Tell
0: everyone that I'm sad at the races because <laughs> <is a> bit... <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: uh, What did I think what of were your Surrey th- Hills? Yeah.
0: No, I think it was awesome. I think, like... There were so many good riders all in one one place. Like it was no wonder, Bren and all you guys are so good. You know, there's I do look big... back
1: on those times as as good because they were just zero responsibility, weren't they? They were like, it was in, insane what you'd actually if you wrote down what you got up to in a day. It's just ridiculous. I, I can't hang out at pump track for an entire day anymore, trying to do different lines. <laughs> like,
0: so what's that physically or just boredom?
1: I don't know. I guess. Both probably. It's but boredom, like, isn't it? It's more boredom, yeah. But like back then, just the yeah, we, we had zero responsibility. There wasn't really any social media as such, was there? As like you're just fiddling around riding a bike the whole time. It's not like everyone needs to see it, you're just doing it. We had one wood chip jump. We had one wood chip jump in a pump track at Bren's, and we would just hang out there for days on end, wouldn't we? We'd barely leave the garden.
0: Yeah, well, and then you say you're no responsive. So we had to, well, I had to try drag Brendan out for training before you guys would rock up. So at least that was done or mm. ticked, you know. Yeah, it's true. No, but England was great. I was lucky to have that because, like, life on the roads, you know, it gets a bit old, especially if you don't get the results you're expecting or wanting. And coming to get to know you guys was like and his parents were there it was like a f- family away from home, you know, especially yeah. the young, young twenties. And, uh, you know, if we had a week or two off, we could also go down to the pub and switch off and feel normal. And yeah. get back to riding. It was, it's cool. It's such a cool scene there in, in UK.
1: It's good. Cause it, I, I feel like, um, yeah, I got to meet, I got to meet and ride with so many people over the, over the years through riding. And it's just sick when you meet people that are like, um, it's just like like like-minded like this like you know if they lived in the same town they'd be part of the crew and i feel like you're one of them clay's one of them like the people that return over and over again it's sick because they just come back and it's just like they never left it's
0: have you so is that have i got an honorary membership
1: oh dude you know you got an honorary membership yeah yeah definitely no one gets as much no one gets that much shit from everyone Unless they're a, m- a member, you know, you got to take the uh, those blows. You got to take them uh, as a uh, verification. Yeah.
0: How good is that? We're actually awful to each other. Why are men? Yeah, awful, horrible. Like we're bond by being awful to each other.
1: Mm. It's weird, isn't it? It's not everyone. I don't think that's a modern. A modern male is not like that. That's more like a caveman. We're gonna be old, old men, dude. We are. You know, we're moving to a different time in the. Uh, history of humanity i feel like i feel like this is going to be a really big shift you know if you consider like our grandparents age to us even that they were like you know they thought we had it all very easily We're, we're very wet whereas now i think it's going to be a similar version even further that way everyone's going to be way nicer to each other
0: you think I think so. I hope so. What about cyberbullying and shit? Well, I did want to ask that's you. That's tough. So, that is so tough. Speak, so speaking of super off topic, what's this metaverse thing, this virtual reality oh, bullshit that everyone's pushing? Right. I tried
1: to watch the video. It's going to be so... See, that's actually what's made me... Because I watched that video yesterday and that's what made me realise how weird it's actually... That's, that's what made me get onto imagining how different the actual world is going to be. So, okay, if you imagine putting on a set of glasses and then you're going to be in a room, it's going to be the Andrew Neithling room. And on one wall, you've got just like merch and you're going to press forwards on your controller and you're going to move over there in your glasses and it's going to be all your merch. On the other wall, you've got your Instagram. There's going to be updated videos on your main feed and then your story, see what Andrew's up to now. It's just going to be like a complete 3D space where everything is going to go on. And then when, let's say I'm in the Andrew Neatling page, maybe there's going to be another person in the Andrew Neatling page and then I can click on that other person and they're going to talk to me and then we're going to talk about Andrew Neatling and how great he is. Like that's what I think. So it's like bringing the comments section into a real place and bringing... I mean I have no interest in this but I've got I've got to be early to the party on one social media platform. I can't bumble through my <laughs> bike riding influencer whatever career failing to get it every time. So I'm going to go all in the metaverse. My the Ollie Wilkins metaverse room is going to be fucking quite the spot.
0: Is that a thing? So there'll be your own metaverse room. Is that a you I think so dude do- potential.
1: This that's what I I watched. I skipped through the video because I find that bloke too creepy, Mark Zuckerberg. You seen Mark Zuckerberg?
0: I just saw like a headline fails something metaverse. They already stuffed something up. But I've watched a few on, on, on. Yeah, like that. It's coming, and we can't. It's
1: very work. long, Shh. the video. But you should watch it. It's a okay. very, very long and well produced video. On, it's like it's like some. If so, the title really should be. If the title was for me, it would be. A thousand things that you don't want to download and forget the password for. A thousand things that actually have zero. you have zero interest in. That's what it's like. I look at it and I'm like, games. I don't want to play games, man. 3D immersive things. I don't want to do that shit, man. I don't want to put fucking goggles on.
0: But I think we're lucky because we come from an age that has been before cell phones and the, almost the internet as a, as a young kid, mm. and, and we appreciate, okay, we're doing this virtually, but, you know, we like to sit in person. Eventually, we realize, okay, we're messing around Instagram. Let's put the phones down. Let's share a beer. Yeah. Let's converse. But what about the kid that came up, hasn't tried anything outdoors, hasn't got the self-belief that he can maybe be good at something, got a bit of confidence, and, and he's, like, grown up on Fortnite, right, playing games. And then this metaverse world comes. And he, like, gets his self-worth from, like, being cool in the metaverse. And he never leaves his freaking room. Imagine that yeah. shit happens.
1: Well, it's, it's devolution, isn't it? I can't remember what, what it was devolution, called. Devolution,
0: really? <laughs> it,
1: oh, it kind of is, a Only physically. I mean, mentally, probably. You know, you've only got to watch me try and play a, a PlayStation game and you'd probably be already be able to see that gener- generationally I am terrible at that kind of like that kind of it's not immersive for me I just look at that and I just think what load of shit I don't want to play a fucking game like I want to go outside but I think um, people when, when when this stuff happens it's it's going to really grab all the people who were like on the fence whether be an outdoors person do stuff or the people who want to sit indoors all day watching TV, I think it's really going to grab those people. I think it's, I don't think it's good for the world, but I'm going to be right at the front of it. I'm going to make, make a meta page. For sure. Meta
0: page oh, <laughs> Hey I've, I,
1: I was watching something on um the uh, what are the cavemen called the um, n- 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 what's it called Not Neanderthals. Neanderthals, yes. And like, physically, they were far superior to what we are now. Like, that blew my mind, that sentence alone. Like, if you got a Neanderthal and, like, put them on a bike, they'd probably go pretty quick. <laughs> Just way stronger, more explosive, thicker joints, thicker skull, bigger brain, loads of stuff. Fascinating.
0: Well, we're better at some things, but we're definitely not good at I mean, imagine you in the wild and you had to fend for yourself. Yeah,
1: I'd be good, dude. You'd be, you'd, no. You'd I'd be, be fucked. You'd, you, your ter- termites Ow. would come up your legs. They, they, your ankles so thin, they just chew through your ankles.
0: Well, exactly. I'd, no,
1: no, dude. I'd be hunting, setting traps. You'd be out there, oh, help me, Ollie, help me. And I'd be like, oh, okay, dude, you can, yeah, come in my treehouse, but you're not getting, the, you're getting the um, shit part of the room, you know, where we defecate. You go there. And then I'd be, like, out there just hunting, you know?
0: Well, you've just proved my point.
1: <laughs> I can't remember my point. <laughs> yeah, I ended no, up you know, in a, some I form of metaverse.
0: Yeah, you were in the metaverse. <laughs> no, in the real world, we switched off technology and the supermarkets I closed and we had to fend for ourselves or it's kill true. an animal. Joe Rogan might true. survive. That's about it.
1: We're stood I'm on the trying. shoulders of people before us, aren't we? Like, it's actually crazy to think. It is like you rely on on so many other people on almost everything that you do in life. Like a toaster, I couldn't make a toaster. I I couldn't make a toaster. I could toast no. bread on open fire, maybe. But
0: dude, one of uh, we clearly reference him a lot because we <laughs> enjoy his work. But Joe Rogan's one of his skits was like, "What if all the smart people in the world just died? What yeah. would we What would we do?" And he's like, he's on on stage with a mic, and he's like, "Take this mic." so I'm speaking into it, then, like, how does it work? Like, how, why is it coming through the speaker? Like, how, I can't, oh, fuck. Like, I don't know how that works. How does You can't make work? one component part work? of that microphone. Yeah, it's like I don't even understand how I'm broadcasting it through the mic, through the internet now to you and having a conversation.
1: I reckon I could make a microphone stand out of wood. Yeah, I could. Yeah.
0: And that's it. So that's all right, we'll just anything... start
1: a company doing that.
0: Microphone stands. Yeah. Walking sticks, sticks. I could make them. Off.
1: We'll just start a company doing that. Walking sticks, microphone stands. It basically, basically anything that's sort of derived from a stick and us whittling it down. You and that's what bike. we'll do. We'll just have a tree house. We'll be whittling straight sticks and we'll be selling them as different things.
0: Well, we'd be resourceful, wouldn't we? We'd figure it out.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. In some way or another. <laughs>
0: Mate, so I did want to ask, though, even though we've gone on a million tangents which is fuck how it should be, Rampage. I've never been to Rampage physically. I know you ask, like, oh, you'd ride it, you'd do this, and I'm thinking, mate, I haven't even been there. I don't even want to go near those drops. What's that, like, for the listener at home that is a fan of Rampage? What is that like in person?
1: So, it's... Well, everyone knows how... Everyone's had that feeling where you get a friend to film you ride, you look back at the clip and you're like, oh, you know, you're like, well, I thought the jump was a bit bigger than that. Or I thought this fucking hill looked a bit steeper or maybe I'll be going a bit quicker. Rampage is like the most extreme version of that. It's like, like the camera really, I know everyone says it's like bloody broken record, but it really doesn't look as awful as it is in real life. And it is awful. And yeah. And so Ultimately, my experience of Rampage comes from a digging digging perspective. So I dig for Bren. I've done it now seven times. And uh, so I don't, at the end of those 10 days, have to throw myself off any of it with a helicopter bombing around and people shouting my name. But my experience is also unpleasant because I build a load of stuff that my mate has to throw himself off so, it, yeah, Rampage is a crazy thing to be part of. It's one of those type two things where when you're there, you're like, "Ugh, what am I doing? But I'm really, really pleased to have been involved in it and over the years got to do so many. So very thankful to Bren for the opportunity for that.
0: So what what's that pressure like when you, you're technically a bit responsible? Obviously, he's the rider and he has to sign off on it. But, I mean, how yeah. nerve-wracking is that for like you and Deeks or whoever's building when he hits that for the first time and you're like, fuck, I had a part in building the lerp and then maybe calming Brent down and saying, yeah, I think think you can do this. You know him very well. You're the perfect person to help him through something like that.
1: No, I think that that is exactly what makes it sort of so exhausting. It is is that because you, it's not, I, I ride with the guy every day. I'm sort of fairly aware that, I'm lucky to be digging for a bloke that's weirdly good at biking and he's like one of the most controlled bike riders as well and so I'm I'm lucky in that respect because I know all of the bits in between that maybe I'd be like oh that's horrible I know Bren's all good on that and I know that when it goes wrong Bren's very good at getting it back and all of those things but it's it's not you want to be there doing it like in normal everyday life you want to be but there are honestly periods like nothing would make me trade the position at the top of the hill with the helicopters and all the hoo-ha. Like that's not for me. But when when um Dog's testing stuff, I sometimes just wish I could I, – I'd rather be – I'd honestly rather be in his position than my position, weirdly. Like just from a selfish perspective, I'd rather not be watching and like worrying and doubting. I'd rather just be doing it because at least that's like yeah. a – that's like a positive input, not a negative input. Like, yeah. I can't do anything. I'm helpless. I'm just stood there on, an, on the landing like a lemon, you know?
0: Just hoping he makes it.
1: Yeah. And then the Canyon flip was by far the most stressful thing ever because we only built that takeoff for the flip. Brendan is a weird guy. He he decided to learn flips at like the age of 30. So in all honesty, he's not actually done At many, I've been doing them since I was like sixteen, and I still get them wrong. Bren just seems to not worry about the kind of endless practice of it. He just does it when it counts, like at Rampage in front of millions of people and with helicopters flying around. So that was the most stressful thing in all of the Rampages I've done. It's definitely the Canyon Flip for sure. Well, I didn't do it, but Bren. When Bren did it, it was too much. Yeah,
0: but you guys did it as a team, really. Yeah. And you're feeling so helpless. Do you ever? So wanna, like, helpless. Would you ever, like, fuck, I would rather test this because, like, I'd rather take the responsibility off it? Are there any jumps there oh. you're like, fuck, I'd rather do that than send you over at first? Like, I'd rather oh, take, yeah. take it for the team. Let me try it. Because if, if it works, like, you should go.
1: Yeah, I would rather be in that position. Um, I never would rather be in the position of him having to do it uh, when it's finals. Never. But in testing, absolutely, hundred percent, yeah. Like yeah, the let flip, me take
0: it for the team.
1: Yeah, too right, dude. Too right. But also, just it's a more comfortable. Yeah, it's a more positive experience testing something. And like in normal everyday life, I feel like we, you know, we're used to that. I'm not used to. It doesn't happen like we're both sat on the top of the rolling. It doesn't happen like one person stands down there. In normal everyday life. Like even if we built something that was a bit gnarly. It's like, we're both at the top of the rolling. It's not, it's it's not weighted one way or the other. Um, and that's why rampage feels bad because it, you know, it's, it's a gnarly event. Like you watch the trailer. I think one year the trailer had 75% crash footage and there is part of it, part of you that feels like a bit of a part of something a bit bad at times. For me anyway. Waiting
0: to happen kind of thing
1: yeah or almost like that's what it's there for it's there for the you know we all know it's a big event that's based on you know it's a it's a spectacle isn't it and part of the spectacle is that this is dangerous and like that there are crashes like i, I think uh i think if you looked at the viewership i think a lot of people that don't normally ride are watching it because they want to see the edge really And I think that part of it makes you really... I don't want to be part of that.
0: It's like telling someone not to look at a car crash or a car wreck on the side of the highway. It's like human nature is going to look. Yeah. And And when when you're there... It's like it could go really... Like you don't want to watch it, but you're kind of on your knife's edge because you know it could happen at any time.
1: Yeah. And when you're there and an injury, there's no amount of... Oh, that's a terrible crash. Okay, Cam, back to you. We're going to look at some of last year's footage. It's not like that. It's an empty... It's like an it's an empty amphitheater. Well, I remember uh, for some reason Logan Bengeli um, crashing and he had a I think it was a comp- compound femur fracture on the Oakley Icon sender. And I remember just like his screams. And you've got uh, you know, I don't know, Zinks up top just waiting in the start tower, and then everyone else is just stood around like hearing this poor dude just ah. ah! and you just think you can
0: hear it all over that valley
1: yeah on that site with the icon sender you could and i just um and then i had a different experience of rampage this year because i was watching in a shop from the spectator point of view if i'm honest i've never watched rampage other than the highlight clips since it's been doing a since they've been doing a live show i've been at rampage for every episode for every um year so it was really different watching it and it kind of obviously Tom crashed and I felt terrible about that. But you notice when you're, you know, there's just constant distraction. They're like, okay, uh, back to you, Cam. We're going to blah, 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 blah. And like, I was stuck on Tom. I was imagining I was still there and, and Tom's on the floor.
0: Like for me, I've well, never I, been there. So I'm a bit disconnected when there's an injury, but you know exactly what's happening on the ground. Yeah,
1: I guess you just know that. that area it's all the same zones it's all the same feeling of like you know these ridges and you become very you spend a lot of time there i've spent an awful lot of time in that desert weirdly if i've done seven rampages i've spent 70 days of my life in like really a quite a small area of this dust you become very used to the drive-in you become very used to like the lunch breaks the hanging out getting to the top the path on the way up like all of those things become quite yeah you 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 just know what it's like out there so it feels like a um what's the word you know like a a place that you know familiar that's you feel familiar familiarity with it and the whole situation and yeah when tom crashed i just thought oh this is the worst i couldn't stop thinking about it but i was in the bike shop i looked around and like everyone's moved on they all want to see the slow-mo of the impact and all that kind of shit you just think
0: ah it's just there's a slight
1: disconnect between um the reality of it is so much gnarlier than uh what you watch on screen and it's the same for everything it's the same for world cup downhill you're just like oh he's crashed out he can't make it like you know there's been a few events this year there's been a few big crashes haven't there like marable where we were mm. how many riders couldn't compete in finals there was a lot wasn't there
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, there is a little bit of a disconnect. When you're there, then you understand the emotion stuff. At home, you just be like, oh, shame, he's had a crash. Yeah, oh, his collarbone. um, Yeah, you kind of know what it's like on the ground, and we know them personally, so we know the disappointment they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it is crazy. eh? Have you ever thought, like, super odd question, but if you, like, could change anything about the industry, is there something that stands out?
1: Hmm. I think those, um, I think those wooden things that train you to manual, I think all of those should be, I think we should burn them once a year. So Kurt in the Voris UK, we have fireworks that. night.
0: He hates those things as well. Who hates them? Kurt Voris.
1: Does he hate them? He's Good. Like, I'm glad. I like that. those
0: things. Like, just go out and learn by doing. <laughs> the
1: yeah. So I think... That's I hate that about the bike industry. Maybe we could get all of the manual trainers. In, like I don't know if people listening know what they are. They're fucking ridiculous, but they don't actually teach you really anything, do they? So we could burn all of those. That'd be one thing. Industry-wise, I, I, I'm, that's not a serious answer. Actually, what you can change... It doesn't change...
0: have to be a serious answer, but that's a great one. <laughs> get rid of the wooden <laughs> manual things. I
1: think an element of um being part of like marketing bike parts I think there's a it's what makes biking so great as well people love bikes they love upgrading their bikes but I remember being young and not having money and not being able to afford stuff and I think there's a certain part of the bike industry that's not kind to people who can't afford stuff or that's why it was good being a dirt jumper because everything was simple and like I think we run the risk of kind of eating being eaten by our own assholes in the bike industry. These bikes get more and more expensive. The technology gets more and more crazy, but the experience is the same. And like, I think if you make it harder and harder for kids and you make kids feel more and more inadequate about the bikes they ride, which is ridiculous. Like I think that is, that is a potential mistake waiting to happen. You sooner or later, you end up just being one generation of people that ride bikes and then Everyone else gets priced out. So that's my thought.
0: I think that's bloody amazing. And maybe even a good way to to start winding down is, yeah, people do kind of feel the pressure to upgrade. But you can have just as much fun. I know we're both part of brands that we want to market the latest and the greatest. And it is an incredible industry. And the new bikes are like every year, you're like, how can it get better? And look, it does. Like it really gets better. A- it does. It does. It's actually a joke. It's awesome.
1: But there should but at the just same be the focus time, on the experience of riding. Yeah. Exactly. At the same yeah. time,
0: I think the listeners and, and if they're kids or or guys getting back into it and, you know, they're spending money on families and other things, like you can still have a great time. Yeah. And maybe we should be less judgmental of people on older bikes. And if you bring out the 26-inch bike, have a great time. Did you see the video where I forced my brother to ride the old, old horse? Yeah, so hat? good. Right? So good. So, as for his bachelors, but mate, I mean, maybe it wasn't that fun for him, but what about the people around him having a great time? <laughs> I have not laughed that hard in forever. And then, so good. And then you saw that, I don't know if you saw, but like Brendan's Dog's Life 2. So, you did the Dog's Life 1 at Madeira yeah. yeah. I'll do the Chateau. We haven't done the behind the scenes, but they they had a little teaser of us oh, mate, trying to go so down the steep I love hill. that clip. And like, it didn't matter what bike we were on because we both crashed and he freaking, I thought I crashed and messed <laughs> it up, but he actually bumped me off the bike and we were just in tears <laughs> laughing. It was like, it's about the experience. It didn't matter what bike it we is. were on. Latest or the greatest. Do um, you know, I and-
1: bump into kids at bike parks and you can see they almost feel embarrassed about their bike. And that makes me feel sad inside, mm. you know? Like that should never be a thing, man. That's like Yeah.
0: And, yeah, I, and I'm really lucky well to home.
1: Yeah. yeah I'm actually like, super oh. lucky to work for companies that like I I really feel like they're marketing the experience of bike riding. Certainly that's like the angle of focus, my main sponsor. Like they're marketing like the whole experience of bike riding and it's it's inclusive and it's it's good in that respect. it's not like this sort of like elite crazy mega expensive thing. It should be they're trying to focus on the experience and they're all bike riders themselves, so I think that's like important like that's the best I'm very lucky to work that with there's a brands. cool thing
0: about the industry uh, there's so many guys that are riders themselves, you know that is a yeah. brilliant thing of the industry is is the they're not just corporates, you know, it's getting more corporate, but it is cool that the soul, like, you know, like it's God, you go visit them and you must see the lunchtime ride. And I'm sure the same is just about to say. Yeah. It's like, you go on these rides and it's like they're at the desk. And then it's like, okay, we're going for the lunch ride. And like, I haven't done anything a whole morning. Like I'm ready for it. And then dude, they're so good at riding, like so fit. And lunch rides are no joke. Like companies are they? Yeah. Back at giant (laughs) as well. Like the road loop, I was yeah. like, geez, and I do this for a living and you guys are ripping my legs off right now. But Yeah, know. I
1: remember hearing about the big ass lunch rides in um yeah, those, Northern well, California. They're yeah, crazy. Yeah.
0: I, I've heard those ones are pretty gnarly, yeah. Yeah. The Focus ones are are good. Yeah. They're pretty chill.
1: They're, no, they're they're fucking brilliant. They're not they're not chill. They're they're no, they're not chill. They're uh I'm always shocked. Like the engineer Fabi, he's um so ridiculously fast, and exactly what like what you said. I echo that. Like, you almost feel bad because you're like, you know, you're the you're the rider, and then you're I'm really hanging on to keep up with him, and then there's Matza the mechanic, and I'm like, Pfft. dude, this like this guy is he, going so quick on his home trails, and he's just like this big brute of a dude with like massive hands, bombing so fast. I'm like, really desperately trying to keep up. I, I like that. It's good. It keeps you in check.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think that the sport definitely is a healthy player. I think that's a good, good time to to wind it down. And um, I'd love to look at my notes, but there's absolutely no point because you're not going to let me ask them, and I don't actually want to get <laughs> any more serious. But let's uh, let's grow the sport. Uh, let's keep people passionate about it. And where do they keep an eye on you? What are the Instagrams? You mentioned the podcast. You are YouTubing still. Like, where do they? Keep in touch, send you a message, ask you for free shit. You know, go ask Ollie for a lot of free stuff. He, he'll definitely yeah, pick you up. Yeah,
1: why not? Yeah, I'm good for that. I um, I can be found at Odub underscore 23. And uh, my full name is Ollie Wilkins. So you can search for me anywhere on the uh, YouTube. I'd really like to say thank you for having me though, Andrew. And I'm sorry that, that maybe arguably this is not the most organized podcast having me on there, but that's one of those things, isn't it? You can't, I don't know. You knew it was was never going to be like a normal podcast, didn't you?
0: No, but this is great. That's why that's why you' on. I also don't want to just be pigeonholed into seriousness or growth or you know education. You're not seriously, like, just dialed,
1: dude. I'm not. I'm only knocking. I'm I'm, I'm, only, I'm not knocking it. I'm saying, yeah, you're good at it. You're good at it. I wish I was more like it. On that note, you can also find um, find me on uh, iTunes and Spotify under the Ride Companion. If you want to hear more complete. Arguably complete shite from me and my co-host Davey. Then we drop episodes weekly, so yeah.
0: I uh, I look forward to coming and destroying one of your episodes with look no forward to it, dude. No preparation. <laughs> any Ollie, time. That's, that's been great, dude. And uh, I, I wait the next one. I'm sure we'll do one before 123. But let's try keep each other accountable. If I get that far and you get that far, and done, dude. And- you
1: come, You're coming on a ride companion any day now right we'll nail it down peace brother thanks for listening
0: and one last thing before you guys go if you enjoyed the episode please share it with a friend make sure you subscribe leave us hopefully a five-star rating and review i read all those reviews it's awesome getting them if you got any feedback you want to send me a message i get all those messages i try to respond to them all i really appreciate it's been a fun journey so far so until the next one stay well